This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Okay. Now, get ready to lose your mind. Get ready to lose control. Now, you're a victim of hardstyle. Wrestling Omakase. Today we're here with episode nine, and I am joined by a brand new guest, Mr. J.R. Goldberg at Wrestling Bubble on Twitter. Jr., mm. it's cool to finally have you on here. We first discussed this episode like what, like three months ago, I think. Yeah, you know, I think right when you were uh, starting the the idea for the show, um, you know, I thought it was really cool. I, I wrestling podcast so hit or miss with me even though i you know i do a bunch of them um that i thought this was a unique idea and i you know we have similar but different experiences and backgrounds in wrestling and i just thought it would be a really fun and um uh i mean self-serving conversation because <laughs> i love to talk about this stuff you know i love to relive my youth i guess but yeah um but i thought maybe other people would enjoy listening 
and we just gave we just did like 20 minutes by, for the <laughs> listeners at home again we, this has been the curse of omakaze where i i need to just hit record the moment we enter the chat room because like 20 minutes just of gold just down oh, yeah. the drain people will never no one will ever hear it so <laughs> i'm very sorry <laughs> but we'll try to we'll try to give similar quality here to the actual episode i promise to repeat myself <laughs> <laughs> Um, so basically, what the, today's episode, um, I, I think the title is going to be something like "Growing Up ROH," and kind of like how Jr. and I, Jr. and I are both very similar in age. You know, I'm I'm 31 and Jr. is 33, yep. and we both started watching Ring of Honor around the same time period. Um, my very first show was the Epic Encounter in Philadelphia, which it was April 2003, and that was. Um, that was the show with the two out of three falls match with Paul London and Brian Danielson. It was all, which was not the main event, by the way. The main event was a twelve man tag team I quit bunkhouse match. <laughs> Becky Bayless, Iceberg, J Train, <laughs> Louis Ramos, Homicide, and Dusty Rhodes defeating the legendary, the legendary Ring of Honor stable, the group. Oh, C.W. Anderson, Jack Victory. The Barroom Brawler, David Young, Gu- Guillotine Legrand, and Simply Luscious in 10:45. I have no memory at all of that match, so I'm sure it happened. But I remember Paul London and the American Dragon a little bit better. It may, may be a big surprise, but but yeah, it's pretty that... amazing. Like I, uh, you know, I as some people, uh, if you if you know who I am, you may have read like some of my retrospective articles that I've done on my time in ROH. Um, but like, excuse me. Uh, it's funny when I go back and look at shows that I went to, and like, you know, when I have the time, I'll try and watch the entire show. Um, and there are matches that obviously I sat through that I have no memory of whatsoever. Oh uh, like, yeah, I I know. I mean, there's, there's when I was reading these results, I was trying to I was trying to like you know obviously just that that was how I prepared for the show. I did like three hours of um, of reading of Ring of Honor's cage match results on my company's dime. I should say I should <laughs> add. So thank you to them for that. But um, but yeah, and it's like well, I remember a lot of this like very vividly. And then there's a lot of it. I'm just like, was I there for this really? I and I, I know I was, but like I have zero memory of any of it happening. That's but, funny. So yeah. I'm I'm on cage match now, and uh, and it looked my first show was 04 uh and i think that it was battle lines are drawn which oh was... so th- well was that the one where uh they started the, the feud with the the prophecy and the second city saints yes that th- yeah. that would never get paid off because of the feinstein and the tna thing yes okay because that uh, was an awesome okay i i was talking about this on twitter today i <laughs> know that it, the established ring of honor canon is that the Feinstein thing, which we're not going to talk about him on this nope. show. I don't think I really don't want to talk about it. But you have to mention that it happened, basically. Yeah. So the RF thing that caught, which for people who aren't aware, it was like a, a big controversy. You can you can look it up online. Who wants to talk about that? But it basically caused TNA to pull all their talent and caused Ring of Honor to need to drastically restructure. You know, it led to the Reborn shows and then led to the rest of the 2004. So the established Ring of Honor canon is that TNA pulling their talent, pulling Christopher Daniels, pulling AJ Styles, you know, pulling all these dudes really, like, was exactly what Ring of Honor needed, and it made the shows way better creatively, and Gabe was such a better booker afterwards. 
I loved that like late 03 into early 04 period before the TNA like talent poll. Like I thought that it was chaotic. I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Um like that that prophecy in second city Saints feud that started that was fucking awesome. Like that looked like that was going to be like an awesome feud for 2004. So, I don't know. I think it's spin. I think Gabe would have been just as creative booking AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels and booking that feud the way he originally planned. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Gabe is a strong enough booker. You know, I think that uh, I think it would have worked out either way. I mean, it, it, like, it, of course, it's spin. No, no wrestling promotion in history has ever like honestly said like, you know, we were better off when we had less talent. To work with. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, like maybe it's a blessing in disguise, like because you know. I never really thought Christopher Daniels was like all that. And maybe without him in the picture, like, you know, other people shined more, but like, he was always like for all of his faults, like he was not a selfish person or worker by any stretch. Like no. he probably just would have faded into the tag matches. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's, I mean, he, I, he, when he came back, you can see what he did. I mean, yeah, you know. I would say too, uh, you know, I, I don't want to belabor the RF stuff, um, but I will say this: Can you imagine if that happened and Twitter was around? Like that's, uh... one of, <laughs> that's one of those things. Like there are a few things that, like, if Twitter had been around when X happened, and I feel like that's a big one. You know? Yeah, for sure. And like, even without Twitter, like it was a big fucking deal. Did you, you remember that website? It was like the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, yeah. And like higher. they, they used to, they loved talking about me for some reason on that message board. But um, anyway, I don't want to talk about them too much. But they, they basically took the RF side and like it became like a nonstop scandal of like, oh, this was fake. This wasn't true. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, oh, it's a conspiracy to get rid of him. We're gonna do this and that and blah 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 and like. You know, um, it, it, it's if Twitter was around, I'm sure it would have been even worse. It would have been an even worse firestorm. Oh, God. So yeah. yeah, I mean, even after, even without Twitter, there were still plenty of places on the internet you could go to read like salacious stuff and people on both sides attacking each other and all sorts of rumors I read about Ring of Honor staff and stuff that I'm not going to repeat because I'd probably get sued. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, like it's uh, it was something. Yeah. By the um, way, looking over this card for for battle lines are drawn, like this card is really good. I don't remember half of these matches, but like it has to be the it's one of the best Ohio shows ever, probably. Oh yeah, but like, I mean, AJ I remember Styles the Briscoes... over Homicide in twenty two minutes. Like, yeah, I don't I, remember that. I mean, yeah. I do remember. Do you remember the tag title match? I think I do remember this. The, the... Briscoes against Danielson and Joe. Yeah, I do remember that, and that was fine. Like that was fine for what it is. Yeah. Um, I uh, I do remember the um, I mean I me- I remember the main obviously. Yeah, that was a crazy brawl. Yeah, I I'm not, I need to go back and rewatch this. The the special special K and the Carnage Crew, the tag team scramble. Can yeah. I, I talk again? This is something I mentioned on Twitter earlier, but I don't know how you feel about Special K, but I thought that's one of Gabe's like finest moments, honestly. Yeah, because he takes all these fucking these faceless like dorks <laughs> from Jersey all pro like, and I, but this is, you know, from coming from me, 
I went to Jersey All Pro before I went to Ring of Honor. That's how I got into Ring of Honor. Yeah. Like Jersey All Pro was running basically in my backyard in 2001. So I, you know, 15 year old me, I started going to these shows, and that's that's how I got into Japanese wrestling because uh, we were talking about this off air. But George Mayfield was running these these uh, these these stands at Jersey All Pro Mayfield Mayhem, and he had these tapes he would sell. So I got really into it through, which I've talked about on this podcast before. So that's how I got into Japanese wrestling pretty early on. And then, you know, all these Jersey All-Pro guys, you know, Homicide and Loki and, you know, Dan Math and all these dudes. I'm like, oh, they're all on Ring of Honor. I should watch that. And that's kind of how I got started with Ring of Honor. But first buying some DVDs that they were selling at Jersey All-Pro shows and then, you know, going to the shows. But... So yeah, so Jersey All Pro, I saw these guys already, like Insane Dragon, and Deranged, <laughs> and uh, Azriel. Azriel, and yeah. I, what the fuck was Izzy's name? Oh, that was Insane Dragon. Yeah, there was one. There was one more who had a ridiculous name, and I don't know which. I'm trying to think. Oh, Dick. I think Dixie was like just Dixie. Actually, I think it was Dixie and both. But yeah, so all these faceless like. Fucking 125 pounds soaking wet indie <laughs> dorks, okay? Without that special K gimmick, they would have lasted like a f- two fucking shows in Ring of Honor, right? Am I wrong? Oh, no. That special K? Insane, Insane Dragon would have been a four corner survival on show one. He would have been in a six man tag on show two, and you never would have seen him again. So instead, Gate comes up with this gimmick. We're going to take these, these fucking dorks, and we're going to make them a bunch of rave kids. And it's a great gimmick, especially when you look at who Ari's audience is. It's a bunch of, like, wrestling fan, you know, nerds and, like, people who were never invited to raves in their entire lives. Never been to which, a party. Never been to a party. Never been – and, you know, I, By I don't want to be – By the way, it's clear from Gabe's <laughs> interpretation of rave that Gabe has also never been to a party. So. <laughs> and I, I will be fair. As a very, a very cool teen, I used to go to anime con raves, which <laughs> – which actually are not that far that different from like actual raves. I did go to a few actual raves too, yeah. but anime con raves and actual like like rave kids after the rave scene died, they would and like or, or was dying. A lot of them would register for these anime cons just to go to the fucking rave yeah. at the anime con. So, but yeah, so it's very close. But yeah, it's not. There, there's no one like. I don't know what he, what Gabe thought a rave was, but it wasn't like four people like making wacky hand motions and like kind of um, I don't what, what the fuck were they doing in these entrances? I don't know. <laughs> but believable, but um, yeah. he picked a great song though. Like that's oh, yeah. uh, that's half of it. Like that's a that was an awesome song. Uh, you know, addict whatever it was, addicted to hard style, whatever. That was a a fantastic song for them. And you know, I mean, I'm sure so that... much of the music from from. ROH like 04 to 07 or 03 to 08 is like just absolutely perfect like themes are great on in ROH and you can't and obviously and this is the one thing that sucks is because of the way the DVDs are shot you can't get that effect of being there unfortunately yeah. Yeah. because you know you, the, the, you know the, it's it's one of the things it's like the theme song uh, when you're watching it never comes across like it came across when you're in the building Yeah, which you know I mean it's just they're they're not recording off like like WWE or New Japan or whatever it's like the the sound is being pumped directly into the feed whereas here it's just a camera and they're just recording it and you know <laughs> yeah. it, this obviously the sound system is not going to come come across on on television so unfortunately you never get the effect of like what it was like you know seeing CM Punk come out to AFI during that period or yeah. Samoa Joe coming out to like 
you know, the champ is here and stuff. But, yeah, it was something. But, yeah, that Special K theme was always one of the best. And, again, to get back to Special K, so you give them this awesome theme, you give them this gimmick that's guaranteed to get heat with the Ring of Honor audience at the time, and you turn these faceless indie geeks that never would have been anything in Ring of Honor into, like, like they got a year out of it. Oh, yeah. Like, that Carnage Crew feud... Yeah. Azure was there for a long time. Azure was there for a long time, Jay Lee. But, like, at the gimmick itself, they got, like, a solid, like, year to even longer. Yeah. And, like, that, that Carnage Crew feud went on forever. And, you know, I'm sure that stuff doesn't all hold up today. But at the time, nobody was, like, sleeping through it. Like, people enjoyed watching Carnage Crew throw these fuckers around in the, into the cages and stuff. Yes. So, it was a, it was a, that's one of his all, Gabe's all-time great booking ideas, Special K. Uh, yeah, oh, totally. You know, also in this scramble match were a total guilty pleasure of mine. I love the Ring Crew Express. Yeah, they were awesome. I love them too. Yeah. Can we also they never... talk about? On the, I'm just going through this card now. Now I'm on cage <laughs> match because I, I, you know, I wanted to see what I remember. But um, there, uh, Caprice Coleman was on this card. Uh, yeah. He must have Jimmy... had like the. I, I I I have no facts to back this up, but it. It, I'm gonna assume that it's true that he has the longest break between ROH booking. Well, okay, I, there's another one I found out today. Yeah. I don't know if you look at my Twitter. Uh, Bobby Fish was on a show in November 2004. Oh wow! Well, yeah, he was there as Jerk Jackson getting squashed by Trent Acid in three and a half minutes. Bobby Fish always like Bobby Fish was on a couple final battles though. Like, oh yeah, you're right. He okay. would pop up here and there. So, so probably Coleman is the biggest gap. Yeah. Because he got booked in, you know, this one show in 04, and then probably not again until, what, like, 2013? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, so it's a long time. But, yeah, but but that was, like, I was like, wow, I saw Bobby Fish. Because I was at that show. I was like, I saw Bobby Fish in 2004 and had no idea. Yeah. I really, they, like, I was saying on Twitter, there's a chance that, because there's they at the Rexplex where they had DDR. So if this match, like, three and a half minutes was after intermission, I always got back from intermission late because I always end up playing DDR too long at the Rex Black. <laughs> so I'd just be like this sweaty nerd coming back from playing my music game and coming back from late during intermission to my front row seat too. Yeah, which people always people always love that. Like pushing past them to get to the front row seat in the middle of the show. But what are you gonna do? I, I had to play DDR DDR is there and me in two thousand four I had to play. Had it's to like play. it's not even I, know, I understand. Yeah. That that one of the one of my all time favorite like memories um, I, I had several run-ins with Julius Smokes, but my favorite one ever was I was playing DDR, and he just walks up to the machine. Um, he looks at me. He looks at the machine. I, I, at this point now, I'm doing terrible because yeah. I can't concentrate because Julius Smokes is here. <laughs> he, he, he says, um, basically, without, without repeating a word I shouldn't say, he says, the N-word has moves, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and, he, and he walks up, and he walks off. So there you go. That's I was awesome. called I was called the N word by Julius Smokes, and apparently I had moves. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was that was one of several run-ins. The other run-in I had with them was um, oh, like at a Burger King rest stop in Connecticut, coming back from one of these awful Connecticut shows where him and Homicide just showed up at this Burger King, and you know, and they were they were he, they were both very very nice. I should say like. I think I ran to them a total of like three times and they were always were like stop and be like, What'd you think of the show? You know, um blah blah blah. I hope you had a good time. Like they never were were like blowing there some indie wrestlers would, would always blow you off. Yeah. Which I I totally understand because like you know, you don't want to fucking That's actually a like, really interesting point. Sorry to talk over you. 
It's um, okay. The, so, I do it all the time, too. <laughs> it, it's a really, really interesting point. And I think that it's hard for people who got <laughs> wrestling in, like, the last five years or so. Uh, like, they don't really understand that, like, in 04 and even 07 or 08, I felt like it, until Gabe left, maybe, um, like, seeing a wrestler at an ROH show was a rarity. Yeah. They, like, there was none of that fucking yeah. merch table bullshit. Yeah. No one sold their own merch. No one came out in intermission. Uh, wrestlers had their own entrance. Like, yeah. the... The there locker was one room place. was very separate from fans. Oh, except for except for one venue. Do you know the venue where the locker room was not separate at all and you would run into wrestlers and peeing all the time? Uh, well, that was Long Island. It was <laughs> like that for a while. Oh, well, Emmons Sports Club in Edison. Oh, sure. That one, every single show, you'd, you'd run into a wrestler in the bathroom yeah. because they, that was the only bathroom, apparently. Now, like I, I think Joe Land was talking about this on one of the Voice of Wrestling podcasts where like he was saying he never ran into... Uh, Brian Danielson or Samoa Joe, I think, and saying, yeah. oh, they, they protect themselves with stars. I did run into Brian Danielson in the bathroom, and he flipped me off <laughs> because at the time I had a gimmick going mostly to piss off my best friend, who's the biggest Brian Danielson mark, but I always flip him off yeah. and, like, actually boo. I was the only person on earth that actually booed Brian Danielson, basically, when, when he was playing the heel. So, yeah, he just flipped me off and laughed, and <laughs> that was basically it. He The second time he flipped me off because he also flipped me off in a – in a parking lot at the National Guard Armory in Pennsylvania, in Philly. That's funny. My uh, my favorite Danielson memory from that time period uh, was oh god, I don't even remember the show. I wish I remembered the show, but he he did something, you know, in his like very Danielson way in the ring. You know, it was like after it was post match stuff, and some fan heckled him from the crowd. Could have been me. <laughs> It was not you. It was some, okay. some random, you know. Uh, and Danielson just turns and looks at him and then just says, nice Sandman shirt, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was perfect. Like, Because the guy was, like, making fun of Danielson's wrestling, like saying he yeah. was the best in the world while wearing a Sandman shirt, right? Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Um... But yeah, I mean, we'll go through and just we can go by year a little bit and discuss what we thought and yeah. what it was like attending, I guess. But like over overall, you know, how would you sum up the Ring of Honor fan experience? Because to me, I remember we talked about this on uh, off air. Yeah, you know, you and I are both interesting people, and in that we <laughs> went to all these shows, but we weren't really that close for anybody in the fan base. Whereas a lot of the fan base was very close, and like you know, I went to some of these fan gatherings run by. Um, that Greg Aids dude, yep, who's still around actually, because I, I see him when I go to the Ring of Honor shows. Yeah, and uh, um, and you know, uh, who else is big in the community? Tree, Tree was around for a long time. Yeah, I still follow him on Facebook. I don't know what he. I don't think he watches yeah. wrestling anymore. But I don't know. And then, um, you know, uh, Jay Swo is like another really big name from that time yeah. period. Um, but but we, but neither one of us, I think, were really that close with the fan. Like we, I just kind of kept to myself. Yeah. You know, I had my best friend Quinlan who went to all these shows with me, and you know, honestly, drove me around a lot, which I appreciate in hindsight. And you know, we the two of us went. You know, we went to. I went to every single. Like if you I, if you watch these Northeast, if you watch Ring of Honor and go back watch now, you will probably see me in the front row of almost every Northeast show for like a four year period. Yeah. Which you know, it it actually is not. 
which, you know, makes me sound a little privileged, obviously, but it wasn't as expensive as it would be now, even. Certainly, um, yeah. I mean, like, until 07 or, or so, when they probably ran, what, 40 or 50 shows that year? Yeah. Going to every ROH show in 2004, it was, like, not, not super big. Yeah, you know. yeah, it was like one, one or two a month, and then, yeah. and then even then, some of them would be Chicago. So you'd still go months without shows. Yeah, because obviously I didn't go to the Midwest. So basically, I would go to I would go to Philly, I go to New Jersey, you know, and some of those New Jersey venues, like that that Edison one, I could I could walk there if I wanted to. Right, like that was a five minute drive from my house. So that was awesome when they ran that Edison venue for a little while. I didn't really like the venue that much, but. I mean, it's five minutes from my house. Like, right. Yeah. I can't really complain. But yeah, I would go to I go to Philly. I go to all the New Jersey ones. You know, Rexplex, Inman Sports Club, that fucking one in Morristown that sucked. <laughs> that was that one was like such a long drive. Um, there was a I, I don't there's probably other ones I'm forgetting, but those are the big ones. But yeah, I go to all the New Jersey ones. I go to the New York ones. You know, the New Yorker and the Manhattan yeah. Center and Manhattan Basketball Center. City yeah. and. There was that one at the separate club, which I thought was a really cool venue, but they never ran again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the New York stuff. I went to all the Long Island shows, almost all of them, and that those almost always were bad. So I don't. I I should have stopped going way before I did. I've, I, again, same. Yeah, I went I'm to sorry. a few of the Long Island shows, but most of the Long Island shows I went to were later. Like I, I remember specifically, I went to Black Friday Fallout, which was what oh seven. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if I went to that one. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to see the card. I remember going to that one. That was the the main event of that one was um, Danielson and Seidel versus King Wrestling. I don't think I went to that. Um, one. Yeah, that was. Oh, by the time we get to 07, that's already when I'm starting. Yeah. I, I'd started to cut back, and they were going. They were also running so many shows at oh, that yeah. point that yeah. that like I would say 07 would be the first year where I really stopped going to every single yeah. Northeast show. I mean, I but, I remember. Uh, you know, and we'll, we're going out of order and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah. I remember in 07, I became cognizant or conscious of how many shows they were running because that was the first time when Meltzer said he stopped watching every show because it was yeah. too much for him to keep up with. Uh, and I, I, that was the same thing for me. Like, I, well, okay. I never watched every single show. Like, I would buy the DVDs of all the shows I wasn't at and then I would buy the DVDs of shows I was at that, that were especially good. Mm-hmm. But, but I stopped buying the Dayton shows after a little while because sure, yeah. they were always so fucking bad. And then I think I stopped buying the Detroit shows. So these will be the gaps. I always bought Chicago. I almost always bought Boston. Right. You know, the Japan ones I bought, but then by by 07, that's where we get to the point where I'm not watching every show. So that's probably why when I'm reading these results for 07, that you know, I, I don't remember any of it basically because I'm I'm probably like I probably seen like one out of every five shows at that point. Yeah, as compared to like almost every show for like oh three through oh six. It's interesting because but. I think that oh seven in a weird way was probably the the height of my fandom uh, just because I was so into Morishima's reign. And, yeah, like it was the beginning of the end for me, so it was completely opposite. Yeah, I mean certainly it was when. When Morishima lost the title to Nigel McGuinness, like something, oh, yeah. something inside me just went like, okay, like now I'm fine, not caring about this as much. No. Yeah, 
I mean, I liked and I liked the Morishima Rain, and it's just the, the weirdness was, and I want to talk about. We should talk about that and how people reacted to it and stuff. Yeah. But like, the weirdness to it, me to me was that he wasn't on the. He was never in the fucking main event, and it felt weird because of that. Yes. But um, but as far as like the, I just didn't like anything else that was going on. I wasn't into that unit thing. Like I was in. By the time we get to 2007, I'm already like. At this point, I'm super into Dragon Gate. I'm watching every single Dragon Gate show. Um, and, like, it felt like low-end Dragon Gate to me. And it's like, well, I, I like I have Dragon Gate. And 2007 yeah. is a great year for Dragon Gate. Like, that's one of my favorite Dragon Gate years. And it's like, I, I have Dragon Gate. Like, why do I need... Like, I'd rather watch, you know, New Hazard versus muscle outlaws versus typhoon than fucking vulture squad versus <laughs> no one more no one more score versus the resilience like i forgot about that stupid fucking name yeah. until i saw it so like, all that's... the names were terrible all the factions were really bad i mean so like well no one more score was okay really so they had davy which automatically makes them terrible. <laughs> uh, but um so like here's the thing so 07 ROH in some ways is is really interesting from a critical standpoint for me because it it represents Gabe at his best and his worst simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, because Morishima's title reign in a vacuum is super interesting. It's like really subtle and really nuanced and the matches are strong and like it builds over an entire year. It represents Gabe's problem uh, as a booker or one of them in that, like, the the title change happens way too late, right? Yeah. Like, like you know, all the steam that Nigel, Nigel McGuinness had built was totally lost, right? Which he, he did that so many fucking times. Yeah. I mean, Nigel, Tyler Black. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could they could have put the title on Kevin Steen when they did, way before they did, which he, he wasn't even there by the time they put the title on Kevin Steen. And, like, just... Just I I don't know like what was his problem yeah. with actually pulling a trigger. There, there was really weird. Gabe books around the test balloon too much. He still does it, I, you know I think. But then you know also I don't watch I don't watch Evolve, so I can't really. Uh, yeah, I, you know I, I would say it's similar, but um, but the you know the the O seven also represents him at, at sort of his worst in that like it was clear that Gabe was really enamored with Dragon Gate at the time and for good reason because Dragon Gate had a lot of really talented people. So like, and and like the buzz was crazy. So I, I totally yeah. get it because like because you know they won that match of the year. So you look at it like in the Observer, which by the which is hilarious because it wasn't even the best Dragon Gate match of the year. But it was the one that got the press. Yeah. So right. But like I but yeah, I mean like so they they win match of the year in the Observer, so you're like, okay, well this is the ticket. We gotta do it. So I, I get, I totally get his mindset. I just think the execution was fucking terrible. Oh yeah, I mean it was cosplay, right? It was just cosplay. Yeah. Um, but it was like the I, I the reason why I say the No Remorse Core it was my favorite, even though you know, like you, I you bring up Davy Richards. I'm not a huge Davy Richards fan. <laughs> I did like Roderick Strong. And I did like Rocky Romero. So that's yeah, you know, two guys I liked. But like they're the only they were the only stable of that group where it felt like the I could see these guys hanging out together. You know, I could see these guys getting along after the show. It didn't feel completely, like, fucking made up for Ring of Honor. It didn't feel like cosplay, but they were the only ones, yeah. probably, that didn't feel like cosplay. I will admit Hangman... that I was a pretty big Age of the Fall mark 
Yeah. I like the Age of the Fall. Yeah. That was, but they came way. They came later. Like that was like the end of the year almost. So I, I don't even well, consider was, them. It was. Yet. It was. They debuted at Man Up, right? The, the, yeah. The, so that's like late 2007. Yeah. I think. So I don't even consider them one of the, um, one of the stables for the for the the Dragon Gate ripoff thing. Like I consider the Dragon Gate ripoff stables to be, you know, um, No Remorse Core. Yeah. Resilience, which you know, talk about a group of people: Austin Aries and Eric Stevens and fucking M Dog Twenty. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really they're really gonna fucking hang out together. Yeah. Like that that may be the worst lineup of of dudes. I don't know. Put we together haven't gotten to the Hangman Three yet. That that's pretty bad too. But I think the resilience is, is as far as like a, a lineup of dudes actually meshing together and being a group that you believe would like actually ever come together in real life. Yeah. That had to be the worst one. Yeah. And and their name was fucking stupid. Oh yeah. So the resilience, um, Vulture Squad, which is, eh, like they're the most middling one here. They just never did anything. Yeah. But like, yeah, I get what they're going for with that Jack Evans and Ruckus and. You know, Jigsaw and uh, Julius, and yeah, I, you know, I can see it. That's fine. You know, the interesting um, thing is, like, actually, when you when you say, like, uh, when we read out all these things, and like, maybe that Gabe did make a big deal out of this, and I just never realized it at the time. But like, all of these different groups had a member of Generation Next in them. Yeah. But, like, no one ever talked about that. Like, th- this whole thing would have been way more interesting if it was, like, which Generation Next dude makes the best group on their own, you know? Yeah. But no one ever talked about that. It was just random groups formed for no reason. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Vulture Squad, they were they were okay. Yeah. Um, Hangman 3, yeah, they were fucking terrible. And, I mean, in a, in a way, for I guess for Heel Stable to put together a group of guys that no one wants to watch... I guess makes sense, yep. but Jesus Christ, it, it, no one wanted to watch them. Yeah. So it just fucking sucked. Um, so, th- yeah, those are the ones I would consider as, like, the Ring of Honor, you know, yeah. Dragon, the Dragon Gate ripoff period stables. Age of the Fall comes come so much later that they're a separate thing to me. Yeah. And I, I, I dug them for a while. I, I agree. They were they were cool, and they did their own thing. And I think a lot of that was Jimmy Jacobs, so that's probably why. Yeah. But, um, you know, they... It went on too long, probably. Oh, sure. I mean, and it had no it end was, game, like none whatsoever. You know, it it was pretty pointless after Tyler Black left. Like without Tyler Black there to be, you know, like the guy of the future. It, it's it's like it was like kind of like Evolution after Randy Orton left. It's like, well, yeah. this doesn't really have any reason to exist yeah. anymore. Like you need that guy. Like you can't have a stable like that without like you know a guy there that the fans want to see break out. And then once that guy breaks out, it the fucking thing should be over. So, yeah, Age of the Fall post Tyler Black, I think, is pretty bad. But, like, the first, like, I don't know, six months to a year or whatever, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I thought they were, like, they were a, one of the very few bright spots about 2008 ROH to me. So Yeah, I mean, I think they had probably, like, like an all-time great debut at that pay-per-view. Like, yeah. Just, uh, like, a super good visual, good promo by Jacobs and, like, like the blog stuff was cool. The blog and no one was, was doing cool. like no one was doing. Yeah, that the either. viral marketing before. aspect of it was really interesting. Like when they fake hacked the ROH message board. Um, uh, yeah, for people who you know weren't super dorks like John and I in 2007, <laughs> um, like they did all this stuff leading up to it, uh, where um, they they called it Project Two One Six. Yeah, and. Uh, 
and like there were there were people that would show up before ROH shows and give out Project Two One Six shirts to like random people in line, and like no one knew what was going on. Um, they uh, there was a time period where like uh, you know they like Gabe made a fake account. I guess it was Gabe. I assume it was Gabe. Maybe it was Tyler Black. Like made an account on the ROH message board and then got like admin privileges and like like hacked the message board. Um, yeah. And it like felt really cool because people were like, what's, you know, like no one really knew what was happening because you didn't see that stuff all the time now. Like, Yeah. I mean, we, we, we all, I feel like knew it was an angle of some sure. kind, but it felt really cool. Like watching it play out and where it went. Now, a lot of people hated age of the fall. And yes. I think that a lot of it has to do with, okay. Like, okay. I, I'm trying to do this podcast without sounding like I'm going to bash the ring of honor fan base at the time. But like, um, it was a very like wrestling nerd fan base, yes. a very a very masculine fan base, a very like you know, you know these people who were like really into sports at the time, you know, not people that were very sports. serious about professional, very wrestling. serious about professional wrestling, very serious about everything, very into like heavy metal music. Like a, a certain, I'm trying to paint a picture of a type of person here. Yeah. So these are not people that want a. They do not necessarily want, like, wacky message board stuff and blogs and stuff in their wrestling. They don't really want people hanging other people in their wrestling, which I understand that perspective. And then I think the fact that they had a quote-unquote, like, emo vibe to them, especially, like, Jacobs and Tyler Black at the time, would really hurt them. I mean, like, some Ring of Honor fans hated me because they thought (laughs) I was emo. Like, I got that all the time. And which is, you know, I was pale. I had, I dyed my hair black at the time. I you know like I would get all this shit where it's like oh you know Zari's so emo whatever. Meanwhile I, I like I probably never listened to any <laughs> emo views. Like it was not my thing at all. I really I was really into hardcore yeah. and like post hardcore, but I had nothing to do with emo music at all. But yeah, everybody thought I was quote unquote emo, and I got a lot of shit for it for some reason. Like I there was a this is it was disturbing at the time, and I guess it's kind of funny now when I was walking I guess at a Long Island show. And someone walks, some random person walks past me and goes, cut your hair and then cut your wrists. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus, what did I ever do to you, buddy? But that was the kind of shit that used to happen to me at, at Ring of Honor shows. It was very, uh, it was very weird. Yeah. But Age of the Fall I, is actually uh, responsible for one of the only times someone threatened physical violence against me at a wrestling show. Not the <laughs> only time, but one of the only times. But uh, it was like, it was final battle weekend, 07, probably, and they won the tag titles from the Briscoes. Um, and uh, I was sitting, the first night of that weekend, I was sitting next to a dude whose name I don't remember, but on the ROH message board, he was Folby. Um, and he was like, I, you know, like, because I'm a sociable guy, I tried to engage him on a couple of occasions, and he was sort of just a a grump, I guess, is how I would describe him. But he was very anti-Age of the Fall. Uh, and, he, I mean, he brought up some good points about their, uh, about how the gimmick was a bit shallow, which I, you know, understood, I guess. Um, I was excited for their win, and I expressed my excitement to him after the show, and he told me that if I did not get away from him, that he would hit me. Uh, in so <laughs> many words. Um, because he was a big fan of the Briscoes. Um, 
you know. And that's and obviously that's what we should do when a, a wrestling result doesn't go the way we want and threaten random strangers for physical right. violence. Also, like looking back at his complaints, like I I love he's like yes, the, the age of the fall is is a shallow gimmick, as opposed to the Briscoes, one of the deepest and you know most enigmatic wrestling gimmicks of all time. You know. Yeah, I know. It's like very. Very, very deep gimmick there with the the fucking Confederate flags and, flags and the, yeah, and the you know stupidity. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, but I guess to circle back to our, our original point, um, you know, I, I also never felt as though I truly fit in with the ROH crowd. Not that I dislike the people at the shows, um, you know, and I did not have the same experience as you in that. I went to many different ROH shows by myself. I went to many ROH shows with different people. Um, so I didn't have, like, one consistent partner that would come with me. Um, Which, by the way, led to a lot of rumors that we were gay lovers. Sure, of course. Because cause that, you know, of course it did. And, and, and I, 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 it was funny because I didn't advertise the fact that I was, you know, I guess I was saying I was bi at the time when I actually considered myself pansexual. Right. But, like... Um, I didn't advertise that fact at all, but I didn't like if someone asked me, I would tell them. Yeah. But I don't know how. Like people apparently just read me as either. I don't know if they're saying that just to insult me, or they legitimately read that I was you know read me as gay or whatever. But like, I I always assumed that was a a one of the reasons why I didn't get along with a lot of the the fan base at the time. Why I didn't have very many friends there. Not just call them a bunch of homophobes. No, it was I, a very masculine, I, very masculine heterosexual crowd. Certainly, I feel like 2005 as a time period was a more homophobic time period. You know, like... Yes. Oh, fucking sure. Yeah, right. So, like, you know, I mean, like, I think I have a reputation today, you know, as someone who's pretty visible on Twitter or whatever, um, you know, in a, within this record. So, like, as someone who just like complains about wrestling and like I do complain about wrestling and I complain about wrestling fans a lot because they deserve to be complained about like that being said like some perspective like 15 years later of going to indie shows as much as I possibly can like crowds have gotten better you know yeah I mean it's I mean, the current Ring of Honor audience is still pretty bad. Sure, right. But, but I'm sure they're better than they were. They, they were better than they were 12. Well, I don't know. They're they're better in some ways and worse in others. Right. I mean, it's an interesting comparison like, for Ring of Honor Yeah, fans. but I mean, at, at least, like, at least when I go to shows, like, even at CZW shows, which are local to me, uh, so I, I go to occasionally, like, even at CZW shows, I feel like I don't hear... Like, I hear less gay jokes, uh, you know, using the term joke loosely. Like, I hear less gay insults hurled at people in the crowd or wrestlers at, like, a current-day CZW show than I did in 2005. So. Yeah, that's that's probably... I, I, which I, I totally buy that. I mean, you know, even back then they had that, that chant at Jimmy Rave. Yeah. They would sing about how he enjoys sodomy, basically, and... I guess there's really nothing like that anymore. Right. So that's I mean, they had, like, people would chant stuff at Adam Pierce all the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But. You know, which back then, obviously, I did I did not take part in. And it was, people people would look at you and be like, well, what's wrong with this asshole? He's not, right. That they're not, uh, yeah. you know, singing about Jimmy Rave's 
butt, basically. <laughs> but, you know. All right, well, let's get off this topic because yeah. it's actually kind of depressing. What what else can we talk about with old school Ring of Honor? What for? Why did we go to these shows? Yeah, the wrestling was very good. I mean, that's basically yeah. So it was you know I it's it it's sometimes I I you know when I'm alone with my thoughts uh you know and I my mind inevitably ventures to professional wrestling um like it's it's hard to describe the the cachet that ring of honor shows of that time period had with me like they truly felt in a way that nothing feels like right now to be something that you were on the ground floor of that could become big in a unique way like when i went the early roh shows i felt like and, you know, like, you know, maybe I'll out myself here as someone who in their early 20s wanted to, like, you know, have some sort of, like, gatekeeping aspect of my fandom. <laughs> but, like, when I went to ROH shows, I genuinely, truly felt like I was seeing something special. And, you know, 10 or 15 years down the road, I would be able to tell people, like, oh, you know that, like, ROH thing that, like, is super cool and hip right now? I was going to those shows back before anybody knew what they were, you know, like, <laughs> I know I felt, I definitely felt that way right. too. I mean, I, I used to, I, I can't even, did you ever take any girlfriends to ring them on? Uh, I took a girl to a CZW show one time. Uh, and <laughs> I took over, over the course of ring of honor. I was trying to count this in my head. I believe I took four different girls <laughs> to ring of honor. You'd think by the fourth one, I would have figured out that this is not helping uh, my long-term dating prospects, but no, not 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 me. I did not learn yeah. that. But but yeah, but like I but I took him to it because it's like this is cool. Yeah. This is a cool thing that I'm into. Yeah. And I would say out of four of them, like two of them didn't hate mm-hmm. it, so that was cool. Or at least they did. They did a better job pretending not to hate so, it. But two of them really hated I, uh, it. I I so never took a girlfriend to Ring of Honor until after it wasn't important to me. Like I, the the you know my wife. Uh, uh, has been to many wrestling shows with me because she is a trooper. Because um, she does not care for professional wrestling. Neither does my yeah. girlfriend now. But um, but I, I, have you ever dated anybody that's been like in, really into it? I never. No, have. neither. I I don't think that I would enjoy that experience. To be I don't know if I would or not. Uh, it's an interesting question because I have dated girls that are really into like other interests I've had, like anime and yeah. stuff, and it, it has upsides and downsides. Right. I uh, but, I mean, I think that it's nice. Like, you know, I I've been with my my wife for six years now, and like, it is nice to have an interest that is completely my own. You know, uh, yeah. I think that's important. Um, but maybe that's not for everybody. But uh, but I will say that I have <clears throat> on two separate occasions uh, brought both of my parents to Ring of Honor shows. Okay, I never. So did that. my my mother went to a double shot weekend with me one time. She went wow. to uh, she went to a Dayton Chicago double shot with me once. Um, God love my mother. Uh, and then I took my dad to Black Friday Fallout uh, in Long Island. Were your parents wrestling fans? No, or both just... of my parents no, hate okay. professional wrestling. Yeah, mine too, yeah. and I could never get either one of them to go. Yeah. So. Um, 
Um, my, my, my dad did, I, I shouldn't, my dad did take me to a lot of WWF crap. I shouldn't, I shouldn't besmirch his name yeah. when I was much younger. I mean, my very first wrestling show was WrestleMania 10, which he was kind enough to take me to when I was eight years old. So, you know, I think the, the very last show he ever went to with me was, um, Survivor Series 02, where he ended up. So my dad is, a, anyone who knows my dad will know he, he's a chain smoker. Uh-huh. And, you know, you could not, even in 2002, you could not smoke anywhere in Madison Square Garden, and you could not exit the building or without getting back in. So he was searching for some fucking corridor <laughs> where he could go and smoke, and he ends up backstage right after the big show, beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE title, <laughs> like right in front of the big show with this fucking... The only reason why I even know this is because he got he told me the story later. He's like, there's this humongous dude. I'm going to do my dad's <laughs> voice now. This humongous dude with this fucking belt. I'm like, you ran into the big show. And he's like, oh, he's sweating bullets. I'm like, yeah, you ran into the big show <laughs> right after you won the WWE title when, you know, Paul Heyman like sliding the chair in there and choke slamming Lesnar on it. And, and yeah, so he goes up to him and they asked him for, in his ingenious, this ingenious moment, he asked him for an autograph <laughs> and Big Show looks at him like, I don't, I don't have it. Why would I have a pen? <laughs> like Big Show, my dad said Big Show was nice, but like there's no reason why he would have a pen at that moment. He's, I mean, my dad ended up in an area where the fans are not supposed to be, obviously. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that that's my that's my big dad at wrestling story. So I'll, but... I'll tell a story. <laughs> uh, I'll tell the story of my dad coming to to wrestling with me. Um, so. My dad is is not a fan of professional wrestling. Um, it's you know he's not he doesn't disparage it or look down on it or anything. It's just never been something that he's into. So like you know my it, we were going to this show and we're driving in and of course my dad like you know I I think he understood that like the crowd would be smaller you know but like I don't think that he understood that we weren't seeing people that like looked like. Hulk Hogan, you know? Uh. <laughs> um, so my dad is like, so who who are like the good guys? Like, you know, you're always talking about like how these are like really good wrestlers. Like who are who are the guys you're most excited to see so that I can watch and like see if I see what you see, which is like a very nice thing, you know? Yeah. And so I can't, I probably named a few, but specifically I mentioned Samoa Joe and how Samoa Joe was like, like a big fucking deal and how like awesome Joe was, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you know, like some people may see where the story is going, but like, so we're, we're watching this <laughs> and like, and Joe comes out. Right. And like people go ape shit for Joe. Right. Yeah, they, as they always did. Yeah, as they always did. Right. And like, and then my dad stands up and looks at him and my dad just starts laughing. And he's like, he's like, <laughs> this is the guy. Like, this is the fucking guy. <laughs> it's a great lesson i guess yeah. i mean it's, a, it's, a, it's funny like how i guess that was maybe one of my first experiences of like of being of realizing that i was in a bubble you know yeah that like oh wow like there's still people that like you know you know like because you being online being an online wrestling fan at that time period and reading things about like oh, Vince McMahon would never hire Samoa Joe because of his physique. And, like, in 2006 or 2007, like, that was 100% true, right? And, uh, yeah. And, like, you would sit there and you'd read this on the computer and you'd, like, rage at the screen of, like, the injustice of it all, right? And then yeah. you'd bring someone who is, like, the 
Vince McMahon's target audience, like a, a casual white male who's flipping through channels, and you realize that, like, oh shit, if Joe was on TV, that demographic would just keep on flipping, right? Like they wouldn't see the big deal. Like there's no patience for it. Yeah, and 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 that's always been the question, I guess, when it comes to you know what WWE is trying to do versus what everybody else is trying to do. And now, of course, we've hit a point where if that's if that is still their goal, they just do the worst job of it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like imagine trying to trying to pitch. Like you're trying to pitch watching WWE to a person now. It's like, okay, you got to watch three hours every Monday, and then if you like that group of guys, there's a whole other group of guys two hours on Tuesday, and then there's an hour on Wednesday with a whole different group of guys. And by the way, there's these cruiserweight guys that you got to watch on for an hour, another hour on Tuesday, and most most months there's at least two pay per views. There could be three if they're having to take over. And by the way, there might be like a giant tournament. It's like. Just imagine trying to pitch that. Like, what casual person is putting like nine hours of their life every week? You know, it's it's really just bizarre. Like, and then at the same time, but then but then you go like, well, their audience clearly isn't like fucking hardcore people because like, why are they doing half the shit they're doing? That why is Jinder Mahal WWE champion? Right. But like, so, that, 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 that's sort of the like the bizarre. They have so much programming, but like. The programming is so repetitive and watered down that it honestly doesn't matter if you only watch an hour of it a week because, like, 70% of that hour is just summing up the other eight hours that you didn't watch. Yeah, which is, which I, I get that, but, like, I'm just looking at it from, like, at some point, I guess the goal here, right, is to turn this casual viewer into a regular yeah. viewer. Like, that's, that is the goal and what Vince is trying to, I assume. And what, what they're knows? trying to yeah. do. I mean, I assume that's the goal. Is you, you know, you, you turn these fl- channel flippers into actual viewers. It's just like, you know, when how how did we get turned into wrestling viewers, you know? It's like, if you told me when I first... Like, I got into it. I was into it a little bit pre-94. pre It was really my cousin that was really into it, which is why we went to WrestleMania 10. But, like, as far as, like, me really getting into it, it was flipping through and seeing Nitro in, like, 96. And that was, like, really where I got hooked you know, I knew wrestling existed before that. But if I flip through and, you know, Nitro at that point, I, I think was either two or three hours. But if I flip through and then they're like, oh, by the way, there's another another fucking show with totally different wrestlers you have to watch <laughs> if you want to see half the wrestlers. And uh, there's there's three major events a month. And there's all – like, I, it never would have happened. Oh, yeah. Ten, a, a ten-year-old is not going to become a regular viewer if you tell them you have to give up their entire fucking life. Yeah. And neither are, like, I'm sure half the people that became – actual wrestling fans like i don't understand how they make new fans anymore like who are these people that they're converting but i guess if we look at the tv ratings they're, they're not doing they're not yeah, you know fair point <laughs> but um but we, we kind of got off topic here but yeah i i don't i don't know um i i totally get what you mean but your dad though like you, you know you see samoa yeah. joe he would have flipped right past but you know i mean but, I, that you know uh, we keep we keep beating around the bush i guess with it and going back to it but like and I, I feel, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't have the the words for it. And maybe you do, but like, it it honestly did feel special. And like, maybe that's. I don't think that's hindsight because when I watch these shows no, now, I agree, I agree with you. It's not yeah, hindsight. Like, um, like I genuinely felt like 
like the wrestlers on Ring of Honor were the best wrestlers in the world. And not only were they the best wrestlers in the world, but they were like unjustly held down artists. Right? Yeah. That like that would never because of the 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 realities of the televised wrestling landscape would would never get the opportunities to to like showcase their craft in the way that they did in Ring of Honor. Yeah. And so like Ring of Honor was like was like a artistic commune uh, to me. I mean it was it was like everything that I wanted life to be. It was like a place where people could experiment in some ways, you know? And yeah. I think that's why it spoke to me as much as it did. Along with I mean, the fact that I like telling people that I was into something like cool and underground. <laughs> it hooked me. It hooked me because a lot. A lot of it. I mean, I have to be honest. Was the fact that it felt like it was trying to be, especially early on. It, it lost us a little bit in, in later years, but like it felt like it was trying to be like American Japanese wrestling sure. in a lot of ways, yeah. and that was very appealing to me for both as someone who was getting into Japanese wrestling at the same time, and as someone who was admittedly a huge, you know fucking weeaboo um hopefully less of one now but like I, th- that was like my peak like I, I you can see me on on fucking air wearing a fucking gundam wing shirt at a couple of these shows like that's how <laughs> that was like my peak weeaboo-ness probably in that period so it's like oh i'm in, i'm into this thing that's you know it's not like the rest of american wrestling they're tr- you know it's more tr- you know they have the streamers yeah you know, we have um, the 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 turn as stupid as it sounds now. The turnbuckles are Japanese style, yes. and and you know, and it, it's more Japanese style. And it, it it lost that later on, of course. But but at the same time, they still had. Then they started bringing over all these Noah guys and Dragon Gate guys, and, and that happened to be the two promotions. It, it was weird. It was there were two promotions I was watching anyway, and then it became even more clear to me those are two promotions I should really focus on once they were all coming over to ring of honor all the yeah. time but I, mean, Gabe but I mean i was did for 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 all of his faults uh you know and, and they're clear now you know but like i i will be honest you know i think that from from you know from reborn uh through the um respect is earned is like you know i mean there's obviously peaks and valleys but like that's a great stretch of booking by one guy yeah um and not only is it just like great card to card booking but like gabe engendered such trust from the audience that he became a, like a true tastemaker for a lot of people myself included you know like gabe I remember very specifically with Davey Richards, actually. So this is maybe, uh, what, 2007, mid-2007? Yeah, I think. Well, Davey Richards was around a little bit, like early 2007. Early 2007? Yeah. I remember when Davey was set to debut. And, like, and all Gabe did was in one of the, like, ROH, like, the the wires, you know, (laughs) like the little, like, written newsletters that he would put out. Which which those are, like, yeah, people who weren't around the time... Just to quickly explain yeah. this, he would put out these. It's very similar, I guess, what he still does to this day for Evolve, but he would put out these like Ring of Honor newswires where he just like 
dude is, it was a, it was ingenious because you have you have a very internet focused fan base you have no television or anything yeah. so he would just and you were doing like you know two shows a month or whatever so you just do drip 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 basically and like slowly announce wrestlers slowly announce thing few like new matches and stuff it was really like you know the, the, you would check that all the time You're like yeah new newswire yeah. i was see what's super into out. the newswire i mean like i would plan yeah, days too. around like i would like get home from school and be like <laughs> fuck yeah there's a newswire <laughs> you know but, like, um but i remember when like davy richards was set to debut and like gabe specifically said like in a newswire he's like i'm really excited that like this guy is coming to ring of honor because like he's awesome and like yeah immediately like you know i trusted gabe enough because like you know gabe had the in my mind, Gabe had the same taste in wrestling as me, right? And, like, this right, is the guy right. that's discovering all these great artists that don't get a shot. I was like, I don't know who this fucking Davey Richards guy is. But <laughs> he's going to be baller. Like, he's going to be fucking yeah. awesome, you know? Yeah, which he, which he which was, he was not. not. But, but, like, but for a lot of people, he was, <laughs> you know? I mean, didn't uh, – we, we, we're on Voice of Wrestling Network. Didn't, like, the very first match of the year poll wasn't won by Davey Richards versus Eddie Probably. Edwards? I think that sounds right, right? I, I don't. That was after the period. I don't know if I've ever even seen that yeah. match because that was like during that was like during the period where I stopped watching. I think the entirely. the last like but, really heavily uh, re, you know well regarded Davy match that I saw was the the one against Kenta that he had. Kenta, yeah. Um, I, I never. Davy Richards is one of these guys. Like, he's one of those guys I always felt like I should like because he does a lot of. He probably does wrestle style that I probably should like, but I just it never clicked yeah. for me. The only time I ever liked him, honestly, was his team with Romero in New Japan and the junior tag division was uh, good. Although I still wouldn't call it great, but that's probably like the peak of his career for me, which is not not a very high sure. peak. But anyway, yeah. um, but we were talking about how basically Gabe's propaganda, yeah. which I, I, I mean, and I, I, and I think he he captured the two promotions in like I was like I said already watching Japanese wrestling. And they were the two promotions that I was watching anyway, and I'm sure I paid more attention to them, partially because Ring of Honor started booking guys for them. But like when Ring of Honor first brought over uh, Shima and Shingo for that weekend, the Dragon Gate Invasion show in Buffalo, like I was already a big enough fan that like I fucking went online on the Ring of Honor board and was like begging someone to give me a ride to Buffalo because my my usual friend would not go all the way to <laughs> Buffalo, and like um, I found I think the guy who ran the Osaka Pro blog like Osaka Hurricane at the time, like he gave me a ride in exchange for gas and tolls. So I, so I got in a car, a complete fucking stranger and went eight hours all the way to Buffalo to see Shima. So I was already a big enough Dragon Gate fan in 2000, before Ring of Water started booking them to do that. And I felt really stupid when they started bringing them over all the time. (laughs) But you know, because that show wasn't even any good, but, um, but yeah. And then I, I mean, and then the other thing too, like I went all the way to Chicago in 2006, Mm -hmm. which the only time I ever went to Chicago and went to all those shows um and you know i did go to wrestlemania too but like the draw to me was dra- the dragon gate oh yes yeah. and seeing and seeing the ring those ring of honor shows which were incredible like one of the, one of my favorite weekends of my entire ring of honor um fandom was that weekend like that was just fucking the, awesome the, those two shows in chicago which is that's amazing. another hard thing to explain to people who've only experienced uh wrestlemania weekend now with like you know WrestleCon and all yeah. this stuff like yeah. so 
but back in my day, right? <laughs> back, back, yeah. So, back in back when grandpa. Yeah. So <laughs> what? Before two thousand, like two thousand five or so. Uh, yeah. So two thousand six was the oh, first okay. one that because I went to the Chicago one and then I went to the yeah. Detroit one the next year too. But like, <laughs> oh, you so you were there too yes. for this? Uh, it was fucking awesome. It was totally awesome. It? But like, yeah, we had never experienced anything like it, and like now no, it seems nothing super quaint. That like, yeah, I was like. Holy shit! I get to go to wrestling three motherfucking nights in a row. I know. Like, I get to. I get to see. I get to see all these fucking Dragon Gate guys have these amazing matches, and then I get to go to WrestleMania yeah. too. Which at the time I was, I, I you know, I did actually watch WWE yeah. at the time, so that it's not like I was like, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, I think WrestleMania twenty two. I don't know how it's remembered by the fandom at large. I enjoyed that show. Twenty three was really was, good too. I loved going twenty three. I didn't. Yeah, I should. I, I I almost went to that weekend, but I I couldn't make it work at the last minute. But yeah, twenty twenty three was way better. I would agree with you. And I'm, I'm I'm jealous you were there for that. But twenty twenty two, I still enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't the greatest WrestleMania or anything, but. Hunter and Cena was pretty good, and Sean and Vince was funny, yeah. and uh, you know it was it was fine. It was I certainly taken over a lot of the current fucking WrestleManias, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, like Jesus Christ, compared to like the last two yeah. years, I could take twenty two over any of the, either one of them in a fucking right. walk. I mean, you could probably watch twenty two twice over in the time that it took to watch last <laughs> year. I I mean, I watched last year's in in full, and this year I only watched the second half and. By what everyone told me, like I watched the wrong half of the show. Yeah, because I I got like what I got five minutes of Brock Goldberg, which was awesome. That's my current match of the year, by the way. uh, It's it's not on my list, but it was great. I mean, I just I can't vote for a six minute match, but I I I think I gave it like four and a quarter or something, (laughs) which is like the highest I've ever given a match that short. But yeah, it was a f- fantastic match. I'm not trying to yeah, disparage yeah, yeah. that match. Awesome match. But like everything else on that fucking second uh, half, I mean, what, I my again to bring up my friend who used to go to those shows with me. He insists that Hunter and Seth Rollins match was good, and that was like 20 minutes of my fucking life. I will never get back watching that fucking match. I hated oh, that terrible. match. Yeah. And then like Hunter Seth Rollins, that fucking Reigns Undertaker main event, which. God bless Roman Reigns and God bless the very old Undertaker. That was no yeah. good. Um, that Bray Wyatt Randy Orton match with the fucking ring. It might have been one of the worst showing things. Showing yeah. <laughs> It's so fucking terrible. Like, how do you even? How do you even? Like, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm sure I sound like the world's biggest dork right now, but like, how do you even sit the fuck down in your fucking meeting room and be like, I have a great yeah. idea. We're gonna fucking project fucking insects <laughs> on the ring mat. Okay, and other people in the room don't like that had to be a Vince McMahon yeah. idea. Oh, 100%. It had to be. Anyone else in that room comes up with the idea, the other writers would be like, "What the fuck is wrong yeah. with you? Why would we ever yeah. do that?" So I mean, it had to be a Vince McMahon idea. There's no other explanation. Even if it's Stephanie's <laughs> idea, Vince would have told her that fucking sucked. So that had to be a Vince McMahon idea. Um, but anyway, yeah. like. Um, the 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 bugs mat like what else am I even forgetting? I don't, I don't remember that card at all. There there's like a women's title match that was, that was like okay. Yeah. I think the SmackDown one, but yeah, it, it just like oh, like the WrestleManias now are fucking yeah. shit. Well, they're seven and a half hours. And, like we and like they they talk about how it's about moments and blah blah blah. But like you have a seven and a half hour show and you can't put a few more like good matches. Like everybody remembers WrestleMania, you know WrestleMania moments before, but they still had like. 
you know, I mean, I guess because who it is, it's not a great example. But like seventeen, they still had Benoit and Angle. Right. Yeah, you know, like they would throw the work weight people a bone. What the fuck was the work rate bone on yeah. this show? It's just really bizarre to me that, that you have all these guys. You can't just put two of them together. You can't. You couldn't spare AJ Styles. They had to have that fucking match with Shane McMahon. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, now we're in current WWE, yeah. but which always I'm gonna have that guy with the duck avatar get mad at me again because <laughs> he got he got the, the episode we did with um I did early on with Jeff Hawkins where we talked about current yeah. WWE and really I was very quiet in the episode I just let him talk a lot but I still got told this was the smarkiest episode, podcast I've ever uh. listened to never never again and I was like okay that's cool buddy. It was like a, a duck, a duck avatar who had like five tweets total, and it was all telling brands they didn't like it. They didn't, he didn't like them. So I was proud to proud to join him, proud to join these other brands as a brand that the duck could tell <laughs> actually sucked. But yeah, so all right, let's move off of WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah back to Ring of Honor. Um, back to Ring so, of Honor. It was yeah, sorry. <laughs> so we got to go to those that 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 WrestleMania weekend. It was it was awesome. But like you were saying, like now you know. These WrestleMania weekends, you have like thirty thousand different options. Yeah. It just that did not exist no, then. Not so, enough. yeah. I mean, I I I thought about. Have you been to any of the newer ones? Uh, I went to the one in New York. That was the first WrestleCon. Yeah. yeah, and it was that was that like was that really fun? Uh, it was okay. I mean, uh, I mean that I feel is even sort of quaint compared to what it is now, right? But like, because that was yeah. like, well, now because now you can go to what? Now you can go to WrestleCon. They have that other thing too. Didn't they have some other thing like in a was that or was that WrestleCon? Like there was, I remember looking at this and there was like there was like four different options that all had like the right. whole track. Yeah, like it was like four little mini conventions. Basically, yeah. So like WrestleCon was uh, the year that I went, at least like it, you know, like there were wrestlers there, and like I like getting memorabilia signed and stuff, so that was enjoyable for me. But like the the shows, like so there were. There were probably like four or five like shows Chikara, show right? total, right? Like Chikara had a show, Shimmer had a show, uh, CCW had a show, Evolve yeah. had a show. I think that's it. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And, uh, maybe maybe Kaiju. Oh yeah, maybe Kaiju did a late night show. And, like yeah, you know uh, yeah. So like, and you know, I remember going and like. You know, like the shows were fun, and like the they crammed people in. Like it's probably the biggest Chikara show ever. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I sat, I sat for that Chikara show, which was actually a great show, uh, like really, really enjoyable, fun show. Um, but uh, I sat next to a dude uh, in an RVD shirt for that Chikara show, <laughs> who clearly had you know, not really heard of Chikara before, but was like, oh, a wrestling show. Like, I better go to this, right? Um, and was not enthused when they announced that it was a family-friendly show. I've, I've been... Because I, I... This is actually... Next week we're going to talk about oh. Chikara. But, like, yeah, I've been to Chikara shows with that person. Yeah. Like, that's not just a WrestleMania weekend thing where you get a person that clearly had no idea what they were going yeah. to and they make that announcement about being family friendly and they just get a look on their <laughs> face or even say something and they're just like I because I, I went to a lot of car shows for like two years and you that that person was around a lot yeah. so they just had no idea and it was like what I can't curse <laughs> which you know I mean I, I you know as people can hear on this podcast I curse a lot in real life so 
you know, it was it was not always easy for me yeah. either. But um, you know, I, I I would slip up from time to time. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do though. Yeah, so. I like Chikara. I've always liked Chikara. Um, yeah. I mean, they they went down the tubes kind of, which we're gonna shouldn't again. We're gonna talk about that yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's your guest? They, they had a, your they guest? Had a, uh, Michael okay, Spears. Very cool. Actually, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, so let's. Well, we'll we'll talk about that at the end of the. At the well, end you know, it's actually it's interesting. So, Chikara, it's a it's a it's a nice segue because I don't know if you felt this way, but this is another thing that's like uh, I think unique to that time period of Ring of Honor, and maybe ties into what we were previously talking. about. Certainly, in two thousand five, on in the Midwest and on the East Coast especially, um, there were Ring of Honor fans, uh, and like CZW and Chikara, like had devoted fan bases as well and there was like i don't know if this is the right word but like i always felt like there was a like a true rivalry between which obviously then they they played into it the next year i mean but yeah i would say it was more ring of honor ccw but then a lot of ccw people would also go to chikara because at the time the the two promotions had such a close relationship which is hilarious because you think of like what the fucking family friendly promotion has a huge relationship with CZW. Yeah. But yeah. For, for, for years they were like, they were, they had the same, they, they both did their school in the East W arena. They would do these, they would do those double shots. I went to a couple yeah. of them. So, but yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely felt that way too. And then obviously do you want to, let's just talk about the CW, CZW feud. That yeah. was awesome. So, One of the coolest things yeah. I ever did. Another thing, you know, um, you know, I feel like we've talked, uh, I I think it's, this is interesting, I guess. Maybe maybe it's not interesting. Maybe I'll say this. We'll say, like, JR, that's everything. But uh, I think one of the things that's that's come out for me uh, talking about ROH in this podcast is it's become very hard for me to separate ROH as a company from Gabe. Like, I think it's it's a reflection yeah. on Gabe. Uh, yes. And, and, and everything – I agree with you because everything post-Gabe has never felt the same yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, it's never felt like the same no. company. No matter how many times they try to talk about the past or like tie it into their own past, it's never felt like the same Agreed. company. Um, but I think one thing um, that that Gabe did really well as a booker um, uh, was like invasion style angles and storylines. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think that uh, he's he's sort of ROH has always clicked when there's been something like that, like. Even in an abstract sense, like the prophecy is, they're not shaking hands. They're trying to ruin ROH, you know. The Rottweilers. The Rottweilers. Yeah, the Rottweilers. Are, sorry, you know they have no respect. That, you know, that that they got like it, it's not even so much invasion because I feel like other promotions, especially Chikara and some other promotions, overdid the invasion thing in a way it didn't really work. But like, and the CCW one obviously was like a real yes. invasion. But it's more like just having this group that's clearly like not you know they like a, a heel group that's against ring of honor's principles because he did such a great job establishing ring of honor as a promotion with principles yes. when he would put these groups together and they would come out with these you know and they didn't give a fuck about the principles or they flagrantly went against these principles it really felt like a big deal at the yeah. time like it, it sounds so stupid now no, i'm sure but, it, but like people were legitimately yeah. mad that christopher daniels and xavier would not shake fucking yeah. hands like they were angry about this 
when, when Loki and Homicide did their like would do the their run-ins and beat the crap out of people at the end of the shows, people were angry. Like it's incredible because like these are supposed to be like the smartest fans, oh, you yeah. know, like the most that's, hardcore. And these were they they were getting that's mad. One of the best they were getting angry. things about Ring of Honor is that like you know people I mean, there was a ton of people who were there that don't realize this either. But Ring of Honor has this uh, reputation in some way of like of inspiring or being a like super indie style company that was like a place that you know it's just about how great the matches are and these matchups that you see nowhere else and like certainly there was some of that but like there was initially those are people who stopped watching after like what april 2003 i guess even that even then they had storylines but like those things that got put out and like the the idea of that and like oh it's about it's about respect for your peers and whatever else like they were just said to get over angles like and there are people that still do not realize this Uh, i mean it was it was done in a way i mean i i think it it did help the promotion okay because i'm sure it's been covered to death but like what was around 2002 you know it was a million ecw clones so you have this promotion that comes along that's going to be it helped them stand out as like we're we're not ecw we're we're really something completely different so that i'm sure it helped and they they needed that because if you look at all the ecw clones like who the fuck remembers like i don't know like one cw (laughs) or what these promotions were called like these fucking the, the million ecw knockoffs that came after you know in that period so like yeah that that was what helped them stand out and you know so i think it was it was half to get angles over and half to help them stand out but yeah it became very obvious especially post for born that they were also they were not like a pure you know you know they had they had angles they had feuds they had you know even even god forbid disqualifications and all sort of stuff so but yeah no i mean there the 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 roh interloper thing you know which was sort of always going on and always you know always force was was a, a great something that gabe did exceptionally well and, something that gabe did really well and hilariously something they've tried to do since gabe the moment gabe left and have never yeah, they failed at it routinely do you like scum yeah. okay remember they can were you i i wasn't really even around for this but i went back and watched a little bit of like just fucking terrible. So bad. Yeah. Like trying to rip that off and just completely and like, failing on every how level. How do you have to fail at it when you actually have people in that group that were previously good at doing this? Like, I'm sure yeah. if you just asked Jimmy Jacobs to write this, like he would have done a better job than what they came up with. The name was so stupid. Oh, yeah. Just like the, the the concept made no sense. Like people get kicked out. Like brought in for like two shows and kicked out. Like it was just complete. Like like all they had to do. It didn't need to be its own. Didn't have to have initials. Yeah. It didn't need to be its own mini promo. Like it just had like the Rottweilers. They were just three angry men who beat or four, four I guess, yeah. with both of Anna Pitbulls, who beat the fucking shit out of people and used weapons and did run-ins and did all this shit that pissed people off. That's yeah. it. And I, and I'm sure Loki's real heat hurt helped helped too. And you know, and I'm sure you know, being uh, people of color probably didn't yeah, hurt either. Yeah, sure, but. For for the for the as far as like the heel thing goes, but like you know, like they they did they did it in a certain way, and they, they, that that was it. They just came out and beat the shit out of people, and they didn't give a fuck if you booed them, and that was all you had yeah. to do. 
but people didn't people some you know they, we need initials we need we need we need a uh, one half of deuce and domino <laughs> it, was just, it was never so yeah that one sucked they they tried it with those um didn't they have like these weird like mask guys i guess, this i'm bringing up stuff i didn't watch yeah but like they had these guys in like these weird like masks, and they turned out to be the they unmasked as some of the people they were attacking. Cause I think it turned out to be the addiction, and they they had been attacked by these people. Oh yeah, yeah, and then like you know, so that never worked. Um, the the fucking cabinet, and then that turned into I don't what is it called like the resistance or yeah. something. There's a bunch of stupid with, stuff. With like like a lot like delirious delirious needs to stop. He cannot book. Heel stables. He just cannot book a heel disrupting. And they, like I said, they've tried it over and over and over and over again, and they've never gotten it to work post post yeah. Gabe. And I and I feel like Gabe got it to work almost every time he tried. Like the biggest failure he probably had was, I guess you could like the, you could argue the stable war period, or you could I, you could argue Age of the Fall. Although I don't think they were a failure, but but like if that's his biggest failure i will take age of the fall over scum every goddamn day for the rest of my uh, life it's, it's really interesting that you bring up gabe's biggest failure because i wrote uh well of this concept yeah of this certainly concept, yeah, of this concept. but uh i wrote an article about because biggest failure is field of honor <laughs> <laughs> um i wrote an article about the fifth year festival dayton show which was morishima's first title defense um yeah and uh and like I, you know, my experience going there, and you know, like my usual shtick that I, that I, and uh, yeah. and Gabe read it, and uh, you know, I was pretty effusive in my praise of the Morishima title reign uh, throughout it, um, and he read it, and he wrote me back on Twitter, and he's like, I, I yeah, think I saw he's it. like, I it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you, that you like got this out of it because realistically me consistently pushing so hard for this Morishima title reign was the beginning of the end for me as Rick Potter Booker. Yeah, they they all hate because because there was a backlash to yeah. it among the families. Um, and I I think I guess I guess what he's getting at is Carrie probably yeah, hated it too. I think that's what he was implying. So uh, you know I don't want to put words yeah. in his mouth, but um, yeah, but you know it seemed like he staked he staked his future on its success, and it never really took off the way that the way that wanted it which part of that is his fault part of that's yeah, his fault which 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 i don't know if that's because like you know i counted he morishima was champion for like something like eight months he may have been five times which is ridiculous with the amount of shows yeah and he also was on a ton of shows like he had a ton of defenses yeah. you know yeah it was like it was like they they, wwe title right yeah so they should have pulled back a little bit, and 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 part of that with that new with that knowledge now, it, he part, he could have been not giving him the main event spot to appease Carry for all we know. So we don't, you know, we'll we'll never know yeah. now, obviously. But like I, you know, that be if Gabe would be willing to answer that question, I'd love to know because I would would not surprise me considering if, given what he just hinted sure. at. Yeah. But um, considering Carry's first move after Gabe, you know, was gone was to put the fucking title on Jerry Lynn. <laughs> like basically like that like it's pretty much well known that, that was something carrie really wanted and it's like that of, of of like i was already on my way out at that point but that was my breaking yeah. point like when jerry lynn won the ring of honor world title i was like i'm done like i'm i'm seriously done with the promotion and then when because people don't remember when when he won the title like people were like dying for tyler black to be yes. champion and they they may just wait another year of like 
fucking Jerry Lynn's incredibly terrible title reign, and then another title reign for Austin Aries doing his and his very uninteresting like, oh, I'm the sexiest man in the world thing, where it's like he's you know he's doing this this terrible Ric Flair. Oh yeah, which basically. people loved, and I absolutely yeah. hated it. I, I it was um, awful. I thought. But but yeah, so like that was my breaking point for going to yeah. shows. I still followed it, but like I I could never get, like I never started going to every show again. I and I never like there were there were a few years where I didn't really watch it at all. But like I, I never like paid as close attention yeah. ever again. And that was the Jerry Lynn was the break. It was not Gabe leaving. I tried to give it a little bit of a chance after Gabe left, but a few months later when that Jerry Lynn title reign started, I was like, all right, I'm done. I can't. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. I was so. in a similar similar time period of the break for me. So, like, certainly, McGinnis winning the title belt off of Morishima, uh, you know, fell very flat for me. And like, you know, I'm also sure that if we if we had Gabe in this room right now, he would tell us like, yeah, well, like that wasn't supposed to happen in fucking Edison. It was supposed to happen in England, but we couldn't because of the pay per view budget. And uh. And, yeah. like, you know, who knows, like, if that show had happened in England, like, you know, with the same crowd energy that the Unified match had, like, whole different story, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, so, like, that happened, and I sort of felt, like, you know, let down. And, like, McGinnis's reign was okay, but I never really got into it, you know? And, like, yeah, yeah. you you know, G- Gabe books in a very... Um, I don't want to say predictable style, but like certainly his title reigns, like you, you know, when one is going to be long, you know? And, yeah. uh, I mean, I will, I will say to this day, the hom- homicide losing that belt to Morishima was one of the most surprising things I've ever yes. seen. But, but yeah. like certainly, you know, it's, it's interesting because like when that happened, I didn't think he was going to have, I didn't think he was going to have the title forever, yeah. but I, I was still, pretty I think it, it was, that was a great moment. And like, uh, uh, great subverting audience expectations in some ways because like so let's get back to the ROH CZW angle uh, because yeah. so the Cage of Death happens like we'll talk about the whole thing because the whole thing is awesome but Cage of Death is like the best Ring of Honor match ever in my opinion um, it's high it's yeah. high up there and uh, like a it's it's perfect like Paul Heyman ECW style booking where and you have to set the set the stage a little bit too like for people who weren't there you were you were in an arena where you had an entire you had like the Ring of Honor crowd you basically had two yes. crowds yeah. okay like you had another crowd they opened up an entire set of bleachers and put like all the CCW fans there so you basically had like the equivalent of an away crowd at a fucking wrestling show I, I've never seen anything like it since like before no. or since with all the other interpromotion stuff that's happened, I've never seen any other promotion yeah. do that and have like an entire bleacher full of fans from another promotion cheering the opposite of what the what the everybody else yeah, was I cheering. Mean, that was like, amazing. It was it was it was unbelievable. Uh, what a tremendous atmosphere. Like the, I'll say this and like I'm sure, I, I don't. I mean, I was so into it, it didn't annoy me. And rewatching it, it doesn't annoy me either. But fans were chanting at each other. Like, CZW would start, like, anti-ROH chants. Like, they would chant Robot and stuff, you know? And, like, they chanted Sloppy Joe at at Samoa Joe. And, like, like, you know, ROH fans would chant stuff. Like, they chanted Plastic Belts at the Kings of Wrestling. And, like, you know, like, 
like it seems very chintzy and tongue in cheek and cute now, but like it was earnest. Like I think that's what people don't understand. Yeah, people, people, fuck. They, they, these two fan bases fucking hate yeah. each other, and they hated that they hate each other's wrestlers. Like they, it was not. People were not acting. They fucking they. You picked a side, yeah. and that was it. And I, and I went to a few CW shows before that, but like that was once that few started. Like, well, I'm a Ring of right. Honor fan. Like I legitimately felt like you, you, I could have passed a polygraph test. I legitimately was convinced that everyone in CCW was a was worse at professional wrestling than everyone in Ring of Honor. And like that's a credit to to the people running Ring of Honor at that point to like make me feel so strongly that way to convince me to make me such a mark for their entire roster. <laughs> Do you know what happened to me during that feud? It was one of, one of my one of my big incidents was during this oh when, when Super Dragon destroyed you yeah so so let me let me all tell right, the yeah, story real do. quick because because I've never I've never told the story before and you know first of all he did not monkey flip <laughs> me which which I've heard people talk about afterwards so I was sitting front row for this show it was uh I don't remember which one it was like the hundred yeah. show I think right so it was in Philly it was a six man tag main event and Super Dragon was on the CW side so Super Dragon is on the floor selling I'm I'm sitting in a kind of a corner seat. I think our seats have been like upended by the brawl, so we're just kind of standing there. There's a water bottle on the ground, okay, and a fan next to me tells me, and like you look at Super Dragon, and the I don't I don't know who this fan was. I to this day I I have no idea who they were. I I don't know why I listened to them, but this fan told me he said you should pick that bottle up and pour it on Super Dragon, and for some fucking reason. I picked this water bottle up and I dumped maybe like I didn't pour it on I dropped like maybe three drops of water yeah. on him. You know, like almost nothing. I just like a little, 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 little bit. Like I just I, I did like the tiniest he immediately stopped selling, springs up and says, Who who the fuck did that? Who the fuck did that? And of course this the fan who t- suggested to me immediately sells me out and points right at me. Just like everybody yeah. else. So he just grabs me by my hair and starts trying to pull me over the barricade. And you know, completely within his sure, right. Yeah. Honestly, I should never, ha- I should never have done this. It's the stupidest thing I've ever done as a wrestling fan. I've n- to this day, I had no idea what I was thinking or why I listened to this person. But that's how it, I, I guess that's how into the fucking Ring of Fire CCW yeah. feud I was. But yeah, and like so, I so he's pulling me by the hair. Security rushes over and separates us. That was it. He pulled my hair. He tried to pull me over the barricade by my hair. They got us separated. The security guy, interestingly enough. I don't know if it's because he he knew me and because he he basically it's like okay well I can't throw this person out they spend a hundred dollars to sit front row yeah. every show plus DVD purchases he's like all right come stand back here away from it so he doesn't see you and I was like because I I was like I swear to God I I fully expected to get thrown out and it would have been well within the right to throw me out but they did not throw me out he just like pushed me back a little bit he's like stand over here until it dies down and that was it I never heard about it again other than all the rumors of. You know, Super Dragon Monkey flipped you and yeah. all this other shit. That it became a way, a way bigger story afterwards. And by the way, I like Super Dragon, and I, I thought he was awesome. And to this day, I still think he, he was cool. But yeah, I mean, like he, they never booked him again. I think after that, or I think they used him like one other time. Yeah, he was, was only it. in a couple of those shows, which is too bad because he had a, he had a lot of heat and was like really interesting back then. Um, yeah, but like they they only use him like on one more show. I don't know if I helped. Now Super Dragon got physical with other fans too. Apparently, 
not I mean, that me. was sort of his gimmick at the time. Yeah. So I think Gabe hated that, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped booking him. So I, I guess I did a little bit to get Super Dragon no longer booked. So if by any fucking chance he happens to ever hear this, I'm sorry, buddy. I shouldn't have dropped water on your fucking <laughs> mask. That was pretty stupid. I don't know what I was thinking. But I just always want to tell that story because I wanted to point out it was some other fan's idea. I don't know why Peer I listened, pressure. but Can, for, yeah. for some reason, I for some reason I did. I I was a very stupid twenty uh, year old <laughs> at the time, so you know. Um, and that was like the only time I ever did anything remotely like that before or since. Like I never got, I never touched another wrestler, really, or anything. I never threw anything at any wrestlers really, other than you know, toilet paper, sure. Jimmy Rave. So, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty. It was really dumb, and I regret it, but. That's my, that's my one of my physical stories. The other one I told a million times already of, you know, Joe getting whipped over the barricading during Joe Kobashi and kicking me right sure. in the face. So, but yeah, CCW feud. Yeah. It was something. I, yeah, uh, I mean that. That's... It was incredible. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, I think people are always drawn to things from like their their you know generation or whatever. But like, I, I genuinely feel like. When when indie wrestling is over, which is probably going to be pretty soon because there will only be network shows. Um, but uh, <laughs> when like when indie wrestling, when enough time has transpired where people can look at indie wrestling as like a whole entity, like they do for the territory years, sort of, I, I think that ROH CCW will stand out as like the the high point of it overall. Um, yeah, I think I think I I I pretty much agree with you. I, I'll, maybe not the high point, but a high, like one of yeah. the few high points. I, you know, I, it's it's certainly of yeah. this era. You know, I just think that there's there's so many good matches. The the blow off of it all with Cage of Death is like it, there's no letdown in it. You know, and then it seamlessly yeah. transitions into a great title chase with Danielson yeah. turning heel. I mean, really like sort of fully heel, you know, in yeah. age of death by abandoning ROH and then homicide. Like he, not, not that he ever, not that he ever got. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> he tried. I know. Uh, uh, and then homicide, <clears throat> like turning into this mega face, and you know, with like a double turn with him and Cornette, you know, like I, what? What do you think of the Cornette feud? Because I will say I fucking hated it at the time. Like that—that that I was not into it. You all. know, I—I've never really loved Cornette. I, you know, I like I liked I liked the stuff that it led to. Like I liked the idea of like Homicide having three wishes, Cornette not granting them. You, you know, um, and then Homicide yeah. having to jump through hoops, like. Cornette was was well positioned as sort of this like you know anonymously evil general manager figure you, you know like maybe I maybe I need to go back and give it another chance but like at the time it was just like oh my god a heel GM in Ring of Honor uh like that was basically the reaction so I had I'll, to I'll say so. this like I think that any time in the Cornette feud when Cornette was there like I didn't love it because I didn't really love him as a performer at the time you know um but like, yeah. uh, any time when like Cornette was just sort of referenced as, as like, eh, this like this old fuddy duddy dude is like screwing over Homicide, uh, who saved Ring of Honor single handedly. 
I, uh, I was really into the like the storytelling of it. And then leading up to what Final Battle 06, when uh, Homicide finally won the title from Danielson. Yeah, that that was a fantastic. Which is moment. like, yeah. I, I mean, what a moment, you know? Like a great match for sure. Even better moment, but yeah. I mean, I didn't like so of that period. I didn't really like the matches with Pierce and Carino and all that. So like, maybe that's why I'm being hard on it too. <laughs> but like, it built to a great thing, so I shouldn't be so hard on it. But it should tell you how fucking sick people were, even because I don't. I remember it wasn't just me having yeah. that reaction. It seemed like a lot of people were really like so sick of the heel GM thing from WWE that just. Having a little bit of it in Ring of Honor was like, uh, why do we have Certainly. to bring this here? You know, I think that's a fair so, point. Even, um, I, yeah. I remember uh, hearing an interview with with Steve Carino, like shoot interview, where he was talking about that time period in Ring of Honor, and he, he was like, he tried to say, he was like, yeah, you know, what I was trying to play in those like matches was that like I was only there to wrestle Homicide. So in the other matches, I was intentionally trying to show that I didn't care and, like, was being lazy on purpose. And I'm like, you fucking bastard. Like, that is not true at all. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember his other matches. He had a few period, and, like, but... you know, their tags and stuff where he just stood on the apron and did nothing, you know. I mean, he did nothing in the entire Ring of Honor run, basically, other than other than like some matches on right. Homicide. So it's a very convenient thing to tw- to yeah. say. What was that? Was that so? I think Bitter End was the was the last show there. I think that their yeah their thing, but yeah, and like that was that was a really that was a really disappointing match for me because like the 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 first match they had, they're the maybe not the first one, but the the Bitter Friends, Stiffer Enemies. Uh, like yeah. that's one of the first like truly great Ring of Honor matches I think. Like I love that match. Mm. Um, but I'm looking at the Bitter Friends Stiffer so, Enemy card right now, and uh, I always like that name too. It references a great WWE yeah. thing. So it's a it's so a lot of WWE references are really stupid when indies do them, but that yes. one was kind of cool. Um. But yeah, before we before we get into anything else, I wanna we haven't really touched upon it at all. Uh, one topic I think is important to this time period, important to Ring of Honor in general, is the Ring of Honor uh-huh. World Title, because because they did such a fantastic job with that title, and obviously a enormous amount of credit yep. goes to Samoa Joe. But you know, the, so we talk about this title. It gets started with Low Key as the first champion, which you know whatever. I wasn't really into it then, but it's good as choice as any first champion. Then you have the Xavier title reign, which was a yeah. disaster, and one of one of Gabe's biggest biggest errors. I'm sure he sure. would admit that himself. Well, it's funny, you know. I don't but... know if you've ever gone back and rewatched that stuff. He's not nearly as bad as I convinced myself he was at the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that, but yeah, the fans really yeah. did not like him, and it wasn't in a in a good way. So yeah, not a good idea. And then Xavier loses the belt to Samoa Joe. Which at the time, again, Samoa Joe at the t- when when he wins the belt, you know, it's kind of lost in the ethers of history. But like Samoa Joe was just yes. a, a guy, you know, he was this big guy that they brought that was in the yes. group. The <laughs> I just love bringing up the group, which was like Steve Carino's fucking stable that you know went nowhere because he left pretty quickly after it's formed. But yeah, he was like the group's enforcer to fight the prophecy. Uh, duh, duh. 
but other than that, like he was nothing. I mean, he was he was wrestling in zero one at the time, which you know who who gives even back then who gave a fuck about zero one. Um, he was in the New Japan Dojo during like the the U.S. Dojo during like the the, the nadir of New Japan, probably. Um, you know, not not to piss off the Inoki people listening, but they're certainly a, they're they're nadir of their um, you know, of their popularity stateside, let's say. And anyway, so yeah, he was he was at that group, but yeah, he was not well known at all. And they they take this guy and they make him Ring of Honor World Champion, and you know half of it is just great booking, having that title ring go that long, and half of it is obviously Joe's performance. But that was the exact right thing that that belt needed. It was a, a moment in wrestling where you know if you look at WWE, it's not like anyone was having like long title reigns were not happening in the big company. It was like you know. That's when the belt was bouncing around. It was like, what, 03 was like, you know, Brock to Angle to Brock to, wait, is that 03? Yeah, I guess so. To, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't, I don't, I guess Hunter was, had a long reign as world champion. Who gives a shit about that belt? Yeah. But like, so, so a long reign was, it was kind of like a reign that long though. Hunter was champion for like eight months. A reign of like a year plus was, was legitimately like, you know, that was a moment where I think wrestling fans were really cool with that idea and that thing happening. Now, some fans at the time did want him to lose the belt way before he did. Like, there was an element in the fan base that, that definitely thought the title ring went on too long. But, like, it, I thought it was genius and it set up that Joe Kobashi match so well because here's, like, the two, the two, these two pillars of their each company who had these, like, incredibly long title reigns yeah. that everybody loved, you know? But but yeah, so the Ring of Honor World Title. Joe wins the title from Xavier. He goes on to have all these defenses, all these these matches where you you believed he could lose it. Like I remember the first one where it it felt like a really really big deal was this was before you were watching actually it was uh and I didn't go to Philly for this I wish I had he, when he was defending against Christopher Daniels I think Glory by I think it was Glory by Honor in September September two thousand and three. Like that felt like a really big deal that that title defense and people a lot of people thought Daniels was gonna win, but no Joe retained. You know it keeps going on. He goes he goes through final battle 03. He goes into 04. Um, you know you have the reborn thing. You have the famous series of Punk, which um, I have no idea if that holds up or not. Honestly, I haven't. Uh, they're they were... they're fine. Uh, yeah, they were good they're, for the time. So like. Punk is a was a much better wrestler in WWE than he ever was. You know, um, like he yeah. got way better yeah. as time went on. And like, I think those matches have strong points to them. And I think that there are worse hour long matches in ROH than those oh, matches. Oh yeah, like that. They went way overboard the yeah. hour long bullshit after that. And. And like these two, I'm sure. Were yeah, the yeah. Best, like probably. there, there were good long matches in ROH. Like, like I love Brian Danielson's reign as much as anybody, you know. But like, certainly, like, it, there was a period, period where, like, I know when he you knew going in, he did two sixty minute draws on the same you know? weekend. He there was two sixty minute draws yeah. on the same weekend during that reign when he he did it against Cole yeah. Cabana and somebody. Can else you imagine wrestling? Again, um, like first of all, he got hurt five minutes into that Colt Cabana match, which was already going to be fucking terrible, even if he was healthy. 
I've ne- I've I've actually never seen yeah, it, and it's I, I'm terrible. Because no, I don't know. Let me. Who, I, I want to know who this other guy was though. Who's? Oh, you know what? It's probably Nigel. Given the period, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. it was probably Nigel. But I'm gonna. I just want. I'm just gonna double check it because I. What the other really person? Know now. But yes, yeah, I'm pretty Get sure it was, was Nigel. One, but was I want to make one sure. Show. Yeah, gut check was gut check was Cabana, and Epic Encounter yeah. two. Yep, it was Nigel. I was right. So they're both two out of three falls. So you at least got falls in them. Yeah, that 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 did the coming up not soon after that. Not long after that was one with Joe, or was right was before that, that Battle of the Century, and that was in yeah. that was in fight yeah of fight of the century when people people legitimately got angry when they realized that was going an hour and they started chanting "Don't yeah. go six I actually liked that match. And like, uh, yeah, people, whatever. Yeah. It was, it was um, okay. But certainly, uh, people were sick of it at that point. Oh. Yeah, yeah and, they, and they kept doing it. So, but yeah. Um, and So in 04, so, that, so, the, so back to 04, though. So you have two, those, those two matches at least did a lot to put Ring of Honor on the map, whatever you're thinking of now. And I, I, I purposefully have not gone back and rewatched them because I, I, I kind of suspect they don't hold up. But at the time, I remember thinking the first one was kind of like okay and the second one was really good and then the third one that I was there for that was I thought that was awesome but you know part of that just might have been the blood and actually getting the finish but so that but that series it did a lot for the title did a lot for Ring of Honor in general and apparently sold a oh, shitload yeah, of DVDs sure. so good for them I guess um, and then and then lesser remembered too though was the, the Joe Homicide feud for the title that year which was yeah. I think was fucking awesome and you know that generation next match where they where homicide attacked him in the middle of all these streamers still still an awesome visual and just like and you know in this fucking tent instead of in the parking lot <laughs> I, uh, I don't know how um, readily available but, yeah. it is uh, but like that and this is the you're talking about 04 which is a little bit after this but like that homicide mvp 2003 video that roh did like the first homicide comp which was sort of just like all of his best stuff from 03 is like, I, I highly recommend anyone that is not familiar with the time period in Ring of Honor to pick that up. Because I think Homicide does not get, to me, Homicide is like clear number two or three best worker all time in Ring of Honor. Like, I think that you can put him up there with Danielson and Joe very easily. Uh, and I think that his early. He was he was oh, yeah. he was as important as any of them. I mean, like, for, for fucking sure. So when people people don't give him his due, I, you know, I, and, I mean, and it's, it is ridiculous. TNA, uh, there's a lot of black marks on TNA, but TNA like completely robbing Homicide of any like aura or mystique that he had is like crime number one. I think you know. Yeah, I mean TNA. TNA that that's probably what her you know. If Joe had stayed yeah. in TNA any longer, we might be talking about like people are already talking about Joe, that that kind of way like oh you know maybe he wasn't that good on Ring of Honor then, but you know this this NXT slash WWE one which I don't even think has been that good, has at yeah. least rehabbed him a little a bit, but but anyway but yeah so Homicide was fantastic yeah. that the feud with Joe was fantastic for the title, and you know then you get then you get to final battle and for the only time maybe. Gabe pulls yes. the trigger at the exact right moment, because like Austin Aries, he was ready for that title. He it was not too soon. It was the exact right moment to do it. Nobody like there are people who, who no one they fucking called. called no it. one called that. Okay, 
No, there are people that go oh, afterwards. Like, oh, I knew it. I thought that this could happen. Like, fucking bullshit. You knew that was happening. This was right yeah. after the Punk thing was over, okay? Which everybody thought Punk was winning that third match. I hate to tell you. But, like, every single person, I, I think, in attendance thought Punk was winning that third match. But instead, they go to this final battle with, with Aries. People thought Aries was going to put up a fight and get beaten. Just like everybody else, okay? And he hits this fucking brain buster. And he goes up and hits that 450. People, like, that was, until I went to Japan and saw some title changes there, that was, like, the greatest yeah. crowd reaction I've ever seen in, in live. People wept. People, like, got up and, like, hugged each other. Like, people, strangers hugged each other that they got to see. Like, this is, what a big deal. This sounds fucking stupid. I know. But pe- these 600 people in the National Guard Army in Philadelphia were so fucking convinced that yeah. they just saw history when they saw the end of the Samoa Joe reign, they were even Samoa Joe's biggest fans. They were overjoyed. Like they, they were just like we were like they just won the lottery basically. Like we saw the end of this title reign. We're the ones who picked the right show. Like people were so happy. Like you've never seen a crowd of wrestling. Like I cannot overstate. You know, this. I think people that, hugged each other. I think people jumped up and really, down. Really important uh, with the overall like Ring of Honor feeling during this time period and like. Uh, again, I don't want to sound like I'm like the old man just being a duddy or whatever at this point, but like uh, <laughs> for all of the faults of the Ring of Honor fan base in that time period and now, uh, but especially in that time period, like the the earnestness that was present throughout. Uh, those shows is really palpable and really important. Like, no one, like, yeah. for better or for worse, people were there because they wanted to watch the performers on the show, and that was the most important thing. Like, there weren't, uh, you know, maybe I'm remembering with rose-colored glasses, but, like, I I never felt like there no, were chants just to get over the fact that you thought of a clever chant, you know? Which you're you're hitting on the exact issue yeah. I have with the current Ring of Honor fan base compared to the old one, and I and and I've been told I don't go to WWE shows anymore. Yes, but you can even on TV you can tell like WWE fans are there to get themselves over and have you know do their own and boo Roman Reigns and blah blah blah, and Ring of Honor fans are there to too sweet and chant their stupid bullshit and you know shit on people they don't like and blah blah blah. Whereas back then like. The idea, like there, there, there was like one jackass a lot even back, like back then. There would be like sure. one guy who'd make stupid comments and be, yeah. but like that, you're always gonna get that in America. But like as far as like what you're saying, earnest, like that, that crowd, you know, of people weeping and like jumping up and down. The only other time I've seen anything like that was when I just went to Japan these last two times and saw these last two years and saw you know Naito's fans in New Japan you know, hugging each other and jumping up and down because Naito won the title or Naito won the G1. Right. It's the same kind of fucking feeling. And, you know, I'm not saying that Ring of Honor was as good as New Japan is now. Or I'm not saying Ring of Honor fans were as good as Japanese fans are now. It's, or or the, the same thing. But that earnestness was there. They were there to see Samoa Joe's title reign. And they were so happy they got to see the end, yeah. this historic moment, the end of the title reign. Just like Naito fans were there to see to cheer on Tetsuya Naito. And they were so happy they got to see Naito beat Okada for the title. WWE, like, 
you know, nowadays, if if or even Ring of Honor, if there's a title change, do people react no, like that? Yeah. I really fucking doubt it. I mean, Roman Reigns wins or loses a title, you know, people are like, well, this this shows right. how the office feels about Roman. Like, there's another part of the office, and yeah, how there was nothing it. meta there's about Ring of, of Honor back this then. This was not, you know. There's nothing meta about Ring of Honor fans then. There was nothing meta, just like there's nothing meta about going to New Japan show now. Whereas if you go, and this is, I guess, this is getting into how, you know, you and I evolved afterwards. But how I evolved afterwards and got even more into Japanese wrestling, I want to watch a, a, a show where I feel like I'm watching something that isn't about. I'm not thinking about, right. you know, how does Gato feel about this? I'm not thinking about how does Genki Horiguchi feel about the guys in the ring? You know, what are the, who's in the writing staff right now? You know, uh, you know, what's, what's the Ring of Honor New Japan relationship like? Is, is this why they're booking that? Like, I, I don't want to think about this shit while I watch wrestling, which sounds funny because I'm sure, you know, People look at look at you and I or a lot of other wrestling fans and think we're smarks or whatever. But while oh, I'm yeah. watching it, I don't yeah. want to think about that shit. And I feel like if you watch current WWE, you watch Ring of or WWE back then even or current Ring of Honor, that's you're like just yeah. that's thrown in your fucking face. I mean, this past Monday, that Reigns and Cena segment where that could have been on a, a fucking Vince Russo yeah. episode of Monday Nitro. Like, who the fuck wants to... Like, who are these people watching that and they're, like, enjoying this? Like, who wants to hear about part-timers and, you know, you, I'm here because you can't get it done. It's called a promo kit. Like, yeah. I just want to watch professional wrestling. I want the wrestling to matter. I want the matches to matter. I want the angles to matter. I want to feel like I can get lost in it. I don't want them throwing this bullshit in my face, which... At Ring of Honor today, I feel like they're throwing this bullshit in my face even. So, I don't know. That's how I feel. That's that sincerity of, you know, Aries beating Joe and people just being overjoyed. You know, that's how I ended up in, I feel like, getting even deeper into Japanese wrestling because they, the Japanese crowds don't have that attitude when they're watching the show. They don't, they aren't screaming fucking smarky-ass bullshit. You know, they're, they're yelling yes. wrestlers' names is all, really all they're doing. So like that's what I need when I if I'm gonna be in a wrestling crowd now like I'm dreading going to another Ring of Honor crowd show like there was going to current Ring of Honor after <laughs> going to Japan has been fucking awful it's been like even more obvious how fucking terrible it is but but I don't know yeah, is, is that so at all similar to why you're my path to lucha is interesting I think it's tied directly into Ring of Honor in some ways because so I was at uh, a ROH Dayton show. I don't remember which one. Um, it may have been War of the Wire two. BJ Whitmer. That was like Necro Necro Butcher um, and Whitmer. And yeah. I was there with a friend, but like I remember, like I was at the DVD table or something, like, and we were in line because there were lines to buy DVDs back then. It's. Um, <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and like, I was talking to the people in line and like, I'm like, talked to a dude about like, like wrestle crap, you know? And I was like, which was, which was like a website. I love that. I, yeah. I love that. And, uh, yeah, that was and I was like, sense. I was like, Oh, like, are you, are you on wrestle crap at all? Like, and he's like, he's like, no, uh, you know, I don't go there very often. I, I spend a lot of time on DVD VR. 
Um, and, uh, and mm. so like, you know, you know, I had a pretty interesting conversation with this dude and he looked at things in a different way than I did. So I was like, ah, like I'm going to go home and go on this, this internet wrestling message board that this dude at a date show told me about. So I went on. It's cool. Cause I, I, I was on, I was on that. Yeah. A lot too, so, but you know, in like 2006 or so, I started posting on death Valley driver video review, um, which is still a board and still around. And I still post very occasionally, although Twitter is sort of my message. Point. Um, so is, is, is that related to PWO, by um, so the way? So PWO no? and DVDVR okay. were one board at one point, and now they're two. Uh, with PWO, which I'm also on and pretty active on, um, uh, uh, you know, like uh, it, that's more of a like match analysis focused board, you know. Uh, while DVDVR is, is you know a lot of yeah. the pop culture stuff and and everything, but it, back then it was one board and like. So I, I went to that board and like, first of all, for people in 2006 or something, it was pretty revelatory simply because like there, there was, uh, like a internet hive mind back then more so than there is now. Like, like we alluded to earlier, footage was so much harder to get, you know? Um, and yeah. Yeah, not not everybody lived near the Japanese. Right, like you know, I mean, people were starting to put like stuff I on did. YouTube, but it's I not know. like like even the like file sharing sites. Like, it's not like there was a shit ton of like Japanese wrestling on Napster or whatever. You know, like yeah, uh, it, the, the Japanese wrestling online. I think I, mm. I I could be wrong on the year, but I think it was like '08 is when like yeah. there was like Strong Style Spirit started posting. A lot of like yeah, full like, shows and matches and stuff. I think that was like oh eight. I could yeah, be off. Ditch I could be started off posting year, some stuff that around that time started. too, you know. Um, but like, yeah. So I started going to this really website, which like uh, this message board, which really opened my eyes to a lot of different stuff because it was like it was the first group of knowledgeable fans that I encountered that disagreed with a lot of the the smart canon. Yeah, like... Smart canon. You know, canon. like... Uh, yeah. For better or for worse, Dave Meltzer has shaped a lot of opinion, right? And, like... Uh, you know, if yeah. you... Yeah. Sure. But, like, you, you know, even before that, like, so... But... Like, back then, you know, Meltzer, I mean, what the, the fucking award is still named after him. I mean, Meltzer was a huge fan of Brody, you know? And, like, so I, yeah, like, I had sat there and I was like, oh, like, you know, Dave Meltzer talked about Brody. And, like, I've watched a couple of these matches and, like, you know, Dave Meltzer says Brody's the greatest brawler of all time. This must be correct, right? Like, this is part of the canon. And then I go to this website where, like, all these people like Dean and Phil Schneider and all these other people are like, you know, Bruiser Brody fucking sucks. Everybody realizes this, right? You know? And we're like, like, hey, has have, has anyone watched this Blue Panther match from 1994? This rules, you know? Uh, like, you know, talking about how awesome Buddy Rose is, you know, things like that. Um, and like, it was, it was a very yeah. interesting experience for me of just like, hey, guys, like, as long as you show your work and you 
like come to an understanding of why you enjoy something, feel free to enjoy it because that's what wrestling is all about, you know. I'm. Do you feel the same way I do? I, I have a very weird because this is why I like the DVD VR guys a lot. Because like you, I liked reading, um, you know, stuff that was away from the smart canon. I almost really enjoy reading people review things yeah, oh, that yeah, I love sure. if they fucking hate it. Like, I really love reading people, fu- reading and hearing. Like, this is why I love it when the flagship, uh, the Voice Wrestling flagship talks about, like, you know, DDT yeah. or Big Japan. These other promotions that I love that they fucking hate. Or And what I used to love back then, like, when 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 DVD VR would talk about, like, they, were, oh, they yeah. occasionally review, like, a Dragon Gate match and just tear it to shreds. And it's like, I, I just love that shit. I don't know why. Maybe I'm, like, I'm just a masochist or something. But I just love reading and hearing people to this day still, like, just fucking talk shit about something I love. And I don't know, to me, it's like, if you, I know some people really hate that and like it drives them crazy, but like, if you really love this thing enough, you should be able, first of all, to, to, to hear other people say that it fucking sucks. You should be able to, and, and you should, you know, examine, you know, do I really like this thing or am I just yes. liking it because Dave Meltzer told 100%. me to? Like, that's, I think you should have that moment. But yeah, I mean, I, but yeah, that's I've always enjoyed that. Just reading other people tear my tear what I love. Yeah, to so I shreds. mean, and that's that's really yeah. where it, it started for me because like I, I would sit there and I would you know I would try and look up and find these matches that people talk about. And I would like buy Schneider comps, you know, with with like random lucha that you know he had found on it, and like I would buy comps from you know Good Helmet, you know, who still makes comps that are awesome, by the way want to buy um but uh uh and like i came to the realization i guess as i got out of ring of honor and started to to invest more time in in finding what that next be that like the what i had initially like if you had asked me in 2006 or 2005 or or whatever like jr what is it that you love about ring of honor you know i would have given you a long-winded answer but it probably would have boiled down to level to like i love great <laughs> matches i love the fact that there's great matches and i didn't have the the wherewithal or the introspection at that point to realize that the reason I thought a lot of those matches were great matches were, were not because they were great matches, although they probably were fine. It was that there was uh, like emotion and and blood and guts and like all of these stylistic things that I get from Lucha that were present in those Ring of Honor matches that I find missing from other modern day wrestling. Um, so it's filled a void in some way for me. Um and I suppose it's also filled, uh, like, the hipster void that Ring of Honor had for me in some way. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus, how many? How many people? I know at the end of every fucking year, I ask for match of the year recommendations, and you come at me with like some lucha match or whatever. It's like, <laughs> oh. it's like here comes my grandma trying to tell yeah. me to eat my vegetables. Lucha, a lot of people view lucha, lucha as eating like, your vegetables. I, don't, you know? I, I, I like. I will be perfectly honest. I don't think yeah. that that 2017, especially compared to Japan, uh, has been a particularly strong year for lucha. Uh, I think there's 
Yeah, Japan is having a great year in wrestling, right? It's not just yeah, not no, just it's, it's a great year. Like, yeah. It is a great year um, for Japanese wrestling, right? I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was just there, and like there, even in even the difference from because I, I I was one of the few people, especially on this website, that thought New Japan's 2016 fucking sucked uh, for the most. Like, yeah. you know, there's some good stuff, but I thought for the large for a large part, it was not very good, but. Um, not even just New Japan, but like there is a palpable difference to me when I was there in April 2016 and when I was there this year, August 2017, uh-huh. in like fan, just like fan interest, like people on the street wearing Japanese wrestling merchandise, just like crowd size and like, um, I don't know, just like energy. Yeah. Like there's energy in Japanese there's wrestling like there wasn't even last year. Yeah. Did so, you see the thing? I, a, you may I, not have. But it's like, having, it's uh, having an up year. So. Uh, are, are you aware that, you know, Dr. Wagner Jr. and Psycho Clown just had, yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's I, a fine I, I match. The, like, I, yeah, I think, match, it, I think it is, match. like, a a top 10 match of the year candidate, but it, it didn't leave me like, this is this is a, a classic or anything, you know? I, I'm, I, your list, I'm always excited to read it because I know it's going to be but, a uh, But that it. match, so. uh, which played on uh, like a 15-minute a tape delay in Mexico because they they played Triple Mania and then they played the, the Floyd Mayweather fight live in Mexico. The fight. Yes, yeah. the, the greatest work. Which, which uh, then, a great, another great And then work. they played the the Triple Mania made on, on like a 15-minute tape delay, basically. Um, the In Mexico, the the Floyd Mayweather-Conor yeah. McGregor fight did a, a rating of 19.9, uh, which is like pretty astronomical. But then the tape-delayed Psycho Clown-Dr. Wagner match did yeah. a rating of like 24.8. Yeah. Yeah. I be- I believe it. I mean, isn't there, these are two legends, you know, right? Having a match. I love it. Like, I just wish I wish that there know, was something I'm, like that in America. Like, that, I, like, I like American wrestling right now. I think there's some good stuff, but like, I wish there was like <laughs> some part of the cultural zeitgeist. Um. Okay, let me ask you. What boy, what do geez. what do you like uh, about now? You put me on the spot. <laughs> Well, could, okay, because I think yeah. everybody, uh, pretty much everybody, seems to agree that WWE's having yes, down here. I mean, can I? Like, this is not. I like. I've liked Braun this year. Like, Braun has been revelatory in some way. I would agree that I, yeah. of of the of the of the stuff I've seen, Braun has been by far the best part, which um, is very limited. So yeah, I mean, part, I, I've liked Braun. Braun has like, been pretty fun. I, to me, he's like. He's a throwback to like when I was a kid and like wrestlers were just like big and had weird yelly voices. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and and he's a good wrestler. I mean, like I don't know, like they that match with Roman yeah. Reigns was yeah. like, was that this year? <laughs> I'm so bad at yeah. yeah the, the one I, I oh god, because sure. I, I don't watch yeah. every WWE show, so I could be. I think it was February. The one I'm thinking of. Maybe I don't know, but like they, I just remember I, I watched mean, the, the match the, with the, the two of them and four it was actually like they had just at the last very good. So and I was surprised. It was, I mean, but, it 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 has warts, but it's a it's I, I a really strong it either, match. But... Like, um... <clears throat> I, 
but I don't know. Like I don't. There's there's just a feeling though. Like I don't know. Like it's of like malaise and like, like I don't know. It's just like I was gonna ask you. Like do, do you? Because I know you still watch. I watched the first WWE two hours of Rob before, before I put on. I was gonna ask you first of all why do you still uh, watch it. So and second, if I can plug one thing on this on this podcast, I okay. think everyone should watch Puebla, which is like the perfect wrestling show. Um, nothing on it matters. There, you don't need to know any stories or anything. Uh, it, it's it's like watching like WCW Saturday Night, you know? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that does sound cool. But I don't know. But the but the point though, like I was saying, like, what, I mean, so, uh, why is, do you still like, watch like, it, and totally what, what do you get answer. out of it in twenty seventeen? Like, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was my answer for like ten fucking years. And at some point, I finally would like the, what it came down to. Honestly, for me, and this was like 2015 when I really stopped watching every week. Yeah. Is I, I had it on with my girlfriend in the room. It was, you're still my girlfriend, thankfully. And you know, I was complaining about something. Yeah. I, I think the Seth Rollins title reign, which was like just the worst fucking title reign of all, the worst title reign of all time. And I was complaining about how bad it was. And again, even even she, knowing nothing about wrestling, knew how bad it was. Like when when he retained the title against Randy Orton on Raw, like. I think I don't even remember how he did it, but like for some DQ or something, I was just complaining about how fucking terrible it was. And she finally just turned to me, he's like, "John, 